1: This is That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast.
0: I am Lisa And I am Kara. And every week, we pick an episode of SVU to dissect, as well as the true crime it was based on, as well as talking to an actor from that episode. Today's no different. We got a hot one for you. But first, we like to catch up. We like to chat. We like to talk about the world, our lives, etc.,
1: Um, I mean, my life is very, very small. And if I go even one hour not talking about Vanderpump, I feel like I deserve a gold medal. Like that's... (laughs) unfortunately where I'm at is bravo, bravo, bravo. Fucking yeah. bravo. Bob, <laughs> Bravo,
0: bravo, fucking bravo. Lisa and I were in a, are in a text chain with like four or five other friends that we started it just about Skandaval and I was like, this will maybe like be every couple days or whatever. No, no. It's like every day we all have updates. Everyone's putting in what they find on the internet. It is truly, I mean this, you guys know we're always in the time machine so by maybe by now, no, by now we'll be in the throes of the reunion. We'll have even more to talk about but... I've never been more upset that my comedy show is on Wednesdays cuz now I can never fucking watch it live and I just have to avoid the internet for a day. But
1: or do cocaine and watch it all
0: night. Yeah baby, that's what that's my that's right in my wheelhouse. We would love to talk to you about the Skandaval in person. So why don't you come and see us live? We are going out on the road in June, starting in two days. This coming Thursday, June 8th, we're going to be at Cobbs in San Francisco. That was one of our most fun shows last year. Please come back out. New episode, new games, new everything. So I mean, same us, but you know, I think that's what you like. So come out and see us. There's tickets uh, available. All of our tickets are at that's messeduplive.com. Then the following week, we'll be in Tempe, Arizona at the Tempe Improv. And at the end of the month, on the 25th, we'll be in Denver at Comedy Works, another amazing club. And we will be at the Bourbon Room in LA on the 29th. Guys, if you live in LA, I know you guys are homebodies. I know that's kind of the vibe of this whole town. Get your asses out and come see us at the Bourbon Room. We need you there. And that's that. That's messeduplive.com. No, right. That. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm on the road doing stand up if you care. Um, I have a link tree. I guess websites are out. I don't know. Websites are out. Business cards well, are out. Who here's knows? the here's the the secret. I
0: I buy that's messed up live.com. I pay for it, but it goes to a link tree. So really, it's not a website. I mean, it is a website, but it takes you to a very convenient link tree that takes you to all of the different, you know, ticketing things, takes you to our merch. Guys, buy our merch. We have new merch coming, but I feel like we're not allowed to like get more new merch until we get rid of our old merch. So get some of the old merch because we have new shit coming in. And um, you can also check out Lisa's website is linked there. Like, there's all kinds of shit linked on our link tree, but it's that's messed up I would also, before we get into more catching up about our specific lives, I would like to just give a quick shout out to my cousin, my cousin Sebastian, who we call Bash. um, And apparently, he's going full Madonna and just going by Bash now. Uh, He has an amazing uh, Instagram and website called Historical Homos. And it's all about history and like the role of the LGBTQ community throughout history. And all these stories, it's like, basically it says, welcome to the gayest stories never told. And he is launching a podcast. It's starting up this week, I think June 9th, but you can go right now and subscribe to Historical Homos on Apple or wherever you get podcasts. And that way it'll just pop into your feed on the day that it comes out. But he's my little cousin. I love him. I have known him his entire life and I just want to support him. So if you're interested in history at all, or like two really funny guys telling you about like gay history, then this is the pod for you. And I'm not getting paid.
1: Well, and speaking (laughs) of websites, I just got on it. Great website. So maybe (laughs) websites are in. And on the cookie thing, you know, it's like yada yada, we use cookies. Um, their little square instead of accept or deny says, Got it, shut up. That's cool. I can't believe they were able to figure that out.
0: Bash is like my brother. He's so funny. And I just want to give a little shout out to him. There's like, there's a book of historical homos that's like a beautiful coffee table book. But there's also this Insta that's very funny and educational. And the podcast is going to be amazing. So go subscribe. Lisa, what else is going on besides fucking Vanderpump? That feels like the majority. Oh, I would tell you. Yesterday, I went to a performance that Rosie did for school. It was a musical performance. (laughs) And at the very beginning, she was killing it. Like the music teacher kept going, what's this? And Rosie would be like, it's a ukulele. How many strings? Four. Like she knew everything. She was being so great. But then she really focused in on me. Like she saw me (laughs) because there was two rows of parents. It's not a big room. And she just started like hamming it up and going fucking nuts. It was crazy. I had to keep going, calm down, calm down. I had to keep like making sign language at her to like calm her body. But she just went nuts. And everybody is like, what a natural performer. And I was like, this is not. (laughs) And what does nuts
1: entail? Funny faces, Funny faces,
0: spinning around, uh, periodic like yips and yelps and screams. Um, You know, just, there was another kid there kind of hyping her up. And like, once he got going, she was like, yes, this we can do whatever we want. Like, and uh, I don't know. I just don't know what to do. I feel like she's going to be a little performer. She's such a ham. She loves
1: to get laughs from people. Yeah, that's great news. I always like the videos online of like parents showing up. It matters. And it's like (laughs) a little boy looking for his parents and he's depressed and then he sees a parent and like truly shines. Yeah.
0: I remember like my mom worked a lot and she couldn't come to everything. But like I do remember like My mom wore one of those big puffy coats with like a fur hood. Like, and I remember seeing her little fur hood like bobbing through the audience and being like, oh, my mom came. Cause like she could barely ever come to anything. And yeah, I want to go to her stuff. My husband couldn't go because you heard it here first. He finally got a vasectomy. We're done everyone. The factory, the baby making factory is closed over at my house. And I'm excited.
1: Yeah, shut down. So,
0: yeah, he couldn't go sit on a super tiny little kid chair and
1: watch our daughter freak out. So, I went alone. So, was it a performance show or was it like name this instrument and then they no, go now. No, they
0: did. They sang songs. Okay. They like they did all this stuff with their their teacher, but like their music teacher was leading it. So, it was a little bit of call and response with their music teacher, but I could feel parents keep looking at me to be like, "Look at her." You know what I mean? To Like, "Give me" and i think most of them know that like i'm in the i'm in the arts <laughs> so i feel like they were all like
1: look at this um but speaking of performances miley cyrus did an interview with british vogue um beautiful photo shoot with steven mizell but she said she doesn't want to tour and has no interest in touring. And I've been calling that for a while. I said she's wow. not going to go, and um, she had to put out a statement, like a like a notepad apology on her notes app, um, on her Instagram because the fans went nuts. You know, the fans are like, "You don't care about us because you don't. You don't. You're not here for us. We support you. Why? How dare you not connect with us?" And she's just like, "I don't want to."
0: Yeah, I but like, wanna. it's also
1: like, you don't own these people. Like, you don't own your heroes. Oh, no. If you want to have a good time and take a deep dive into mental illness, I would look into the comments of the Notes app. Wow. It's just people truly like, we'll forgive you this time, but I don't understand you're making excuses and we do this and no press, nothing. You just dropped an album and that's that. And it's like, who are you? I, I, it's really confusing. She's She's just straight up like, I don't want to live on a bus. I don't want to travel nonstop, and I don't want to perform for t- huge crowds. That's not really my vibe at the moment. It can always change, but like, and the outfits I want to wear don't fold well. And so, well, let me are like, ask Why you a question: you do a residency? Yeah, that's
0: what I was going to ask you. Would she ever do a residency? I don't know if I, I'll, you know, if ask I hang her when out with you her, see her, her. Ask yeah. her when you talk, um, yeah. because I feel like that would be really cool if she could pick like a super. cool, She could pick a super cool like small venue and it would just be like whoever gets tickets gets tickets you know like it doesn't have to be like a Vegas like Caesars thing you know
1: yeah and I don't think people realize like she was selling out stadiums before she was 16 you know like yeah she has been touring for a really long time her last tour was 2014 but they say that's where all the money is like aren't don't they say that's like really where the artists make the money is like through the touring yeah, but that's why she's so cool. She doesn't need money and she's yeah. not, she's not beholden to anyone. She truly is an artist and does whatever she wants whenever she wants. I mean, during her flaming lips, you know, happy hippie vibes, she was, she released a free album on SoundCloud. Yeah, you know she uh, she is does is she's not part of the machine. She doesn't have to be. She truly is guided by Dolly. You know what Parton. you're
0: convincing me to follow her right now. I can't believe I don't.
1: Well, yeah, and she just did like Vogue, like My Life and Looks, and she just loves fashion and her crew and. She's making music and she doesn't have to do anything. And that's what's cool. And obviously I think everyone just compares everyone to Taylor Swift and like how much Taylor get three hour concerts for the fans. And that's amazing. But everyone is different. And it's cool that my I, I'm like, mad. I'm upset. I want to see her live. I, I would t- love to. I think Taylor's
0: doing it for money as well. And it's like. If it was about connecting with the fans, she would sell all the tickets for fifty dollars. Like they're thousand dollars per fucking ticket. They're so hard to get. Like, I don't know. Is it really about just like connecting with the fans? It's a business.
1: No. Um. Amy Schumer did an interview this past year before her tour, and um, she said that she was going to make around ten million from her stand-up tour. And the interviewer was like, wait, w- wait, what? Or something. And she goes, did you think it was for the love of comedy? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about?
0: Um, like Pearl Jam back in the 90s, like had went to war with Ticketmaster because they were like, we want our tickets to be $20 because they were about in it for that. Like they were not in it for that reason. Like the money, you know? No, the price. Again, are I'm wild. not here to I'm not here to make fun of Taylor, please. Nobody come for us about that. I'm just saying it is a business. Like, I don't think that they're just purely out there to be like, gotta connect with the fan. I don't are she doing meet and greets. Like, I don't know how much connection it is. You know, it's like most of you can only afford a ticket where she looks like a tiny ant and you're watching it on a screen.
1: Well, it's so much the parasocial thing of it all. Yeah. We kind of invent what we want about the people. Like, I guess I can think that Miley is doing things for me, but I think that's, what's cool about her is it's what she wants to do. Yeah. And touring is hard. And if you don't have to do something you don't want to do, I don't, yeah, I don't know. My favorite no thing idea. is that the But a the full stuff, apology. Look how long saw, this apology I saw, I see it. Oh, you did, okay.
0: My favorite thing is the outfits I want to wear don't fold. That's like so funny to me because like <laughs> Miley Cyrus makes enough money that like her outfits could be on a rack, like in their own bus, like going across the country. You know what I mean? Like in a truck, fully hanging, never folded. But that's a funny
1: Try working a nine-to-five like many of your fans do. They don't make millions like you, but we would still pay excessive amounts. Too bad your reason for touring is simply because you don't want to change in a locker and sleep on a tour bus. Poor you. And it's like, yeah. I don't know why you think she has to sacrifice. I, I, I don't really... Yeah, people are like, you work a nine to five and then you come
0: home and you go to bed in a bed and you get your rest time and you get your free time. You don't get that when you're touring city to city and you're sleeping on a fucking moving bus. Like, I don't know that like to me, this is apples to oranges talking about how your your job is just as hard as her job or whatever. Like they're they're hard in different ways.
1: I love you to pieces truly, but I'm very disappointed. Feels very privileged to just exit. It's like she's she could come back. Like, I don't know. But Kylie um Sonique Love wrote, I love you, baby girl, which reminds me, and we can we'll start soon, but I watched the pit stop, and Bianca mentioned like, a wild night in Palm Springs, where so- Kylie Sonique, Love, Bianca and Miley were hanging out at Bianca's house, having a little tequila. Oh, fun. And I knew they were friends and that she was such a big Drag Race fan, but I love that they're drinking tequila in Palm Springs together. Oh my God. Miley, I think, is one of the only
0: celebrities, I will say, who fucking like, when she's like, I love drag, she like means it. Like, she's not just like, oh yeah, it's fun. Like, oh, I love RuPaul. And like, we did a project together and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Miley went on Rogan and like defended fucking drag. And like, she is about it, you know?
1: Oh yeah, she loves it. Yeah, I think the residency, maybe. I don't know. Yes, I just love she the She wants comments. to do a
0: residency. Do a residency. I mean, that's it's gonna be crazy to get in. I also understand like not feeling safe with like shootings and bombs going off at concerts, like that happened at an Ariana Grande concert. Like I could, you know, I can understand just being like, I don't really feel like taking this risk right now of like being up on a stage in front of in front of fans that would tear me apart for choosing my mental health over doing a tour.
1: Well, yeah, and I think the interviewer told her, like, Olivia Newton-John didn't tour for 16 years. And then once she could do smaller venues, not at her peak, she did, and she loved it. You know, I... It's just... I love seeing concerts in small venues. But I I would love to see Miley. I'm with all these people, but I don't understand the ownership or the demand, or, like, thinking you're entitled for her to do this... Of course, she's making so much lovely music for us. Yeah. Looking sexy as a fuck. <laughs> like, what what do you guys want? Um, but I watched her vogue um my life and looks three times.
0: Yeah, that's you yeah. know, I miss her too, guys. You know, yeah. You're giving her the clicks, you're giving her the love. Um, let's get started because oh my god, this is a perfect segue talking about pop stars and fame into today's episode. We didn't even mean to do this. Wow, this is wild, guys. Stay where you are. We're about to start.
1: Okay, we are doing diss, which is funny. Um, <laughs> and, but season 20, episode 22. So is this when our friend Warren Light was not working on the show? Yes, I was noticing that because they're all, I think he comes back in 21.
0: Because 21 is where the names get big again.
1: And, uh, you know, with the title diss, it is unfortunate that Christopher Maloney isn't here to bring up his black scent. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I'm really sad we don't have Maloney saying, this all thing. Yeah. (laughs) She said your wang's no big (laughs) thing. So that, you know, we're starting on a sad note in terms of um, people (laughs) speaking black when they're not. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but... Also, air date May 2nd. So that's my niece's birthday and Alex Crawley, my friend. So shout out. <laughs> shout out to the Taurus Queens. So we open this episode, um, noise of cop cars, driving on an empty street under a bridge in the city and we hear a it" in a woman's voice. She pulls over her car and she gives herself a little pep talk. She's like, okay, girl, be cool, be cool. The cop approaches the car and she shouts, I know, officer. I forgot to signal, which my father, you never admit anything to the cops. This is, that's a mistake. You don't, you don't give them any. Anything. Yeah. And he asks, have you been drinking? She answers no, but he still makes her get out of the car. And she's like, seriously? And he demands she gets out while a flashlight glows in her face. She is black. So obviously this is intense. She's dressed in a green glitter short dress, long sleeves, low cut. Her lips have a bold color on them. So it looks like she had a fancy night, maybe participated in a ballroom dance competition. (laughs) (laughs) That's the vibe I get. It gets serious fast. They bend her over onto the car, slam her on the hood. She breathes heavily and then says, If you boys want to have some fun, at least look, let me look at you. And so the cop is like, What did I tell you? And so then she turns around and she knees him in the dick, takes his gun points it at the, uh, like the other you know, cop. There's two cops. Demands his gun, which he hands over. And she has both arms straight out with a gun in each hand. It's pretty hot, but dangerous. And she's in her lime green glitter dress. She makes them get all the way down and lay down on the ground. And that's when we realize it's a music video. <laughs> LOL.
0: <laughs> a perfect opening for an SVU though, because this is absolutely how an SVU could start. And
1: then it's just oh, like- 100% drop the beat <laughs> i was not expecting it so there's sexy dancing explosions it's a song the song is called fire gyrating glitter boots close ups dance scenes she's posing with the gun and we hear um cut and both her and the director are really happy with the shot one and done one take wonder And he's all about um, the sex appeal. He's like, this video's hot as fuck. And she's like, and it's about BLM and me too. And he's like, I don't care. (laughs) And then we meet a daughter and she's she's my kind of girl. Right away, she goes, can we go to Dave and Buster's now? So I love her. Um, the mom's like, we can't. You know, daddy has a concert tonight. And the girl's like, fuck that. I want to go to d b So a person I assume is on the payroll, a young man. Um, he's like, you know, I'll stay with her. I'll take her. And she's like, oh, thanks, Wallace. Then our main superstar sees that Venetia is performing on Snake's concert tonight not happy about it so she asks wallace like hey can you drop me off at home first and then you guys can go to dave and buster's and it's like yeah she can't go to dave and buster's she'll be mom yeah um so you know she thanks the cop actors she is a professional kind benevolent amazing superstar we cut to wallace and the girl coming home no prizes So, I'm like, what the fuck? But maybe she's saving up her tickets for a big ticket item. No, I see she's eating something. I think she (laughs) got the candy prizes. So that's good. I mean, I'm sure she's not even impressed with the the toys. (laughs) She's, you know, she's a two superstars kid. But Wallace right away sees something's up, like the door is open. And he, um, he's like, hold up, Lexi, something's up. But then he makes her enter first. Like he follows the child into the dangerous situation <laughs> which is very funny to me. Um, But then before he actually enters the apartment in the foyer, he leaves Lexi. He calls for Dallas. Are you okay? And so our girl's name is Dallas. And he's creeping in the dark. Um, Dallas, Dallas, the room is disheveled. He's getting nervous. And then we see she's splayed out on the ground, out cold, blood all around her head, staining the white carpet. Lil Lexi runs in and yells, Mommy, Mommy! Fuck, the media acts fast. Dozens of photographers are there ready to snap shots as the paramedics take Dallas out in a stretcher with a full neck brace. And it's chaotic. And Benson and Rollins are in the scene. They're in shock. Benson's like, is that really her? She's starstruck. She can't believe it. And Rollins is like, she fought back. Maybe she shouldn't have. And of course, Rollins is blaming a woman, always. <laughs> uh, always. You know what? In terms of Scandaval, I bet she would say Ariana deserved it. <laughs> No, just before we came on to record this, um, I was re-watching a favorite of yours, the video where Ariana's like, this is my birthday and my dad's dead. And Sandoval's like, I I get it, but we rented a bulldozer. so I going to go play with trucks, babe. I gotta. And so, of course, I read the comments and I'm in the comments and there are people being like, she's always, she's manipulative. She should, this, that. And I'm like, I wrote (sighs) something on someone's, I go, I hope one day you have someone that chooses your pain over a construction park that's, you can, oh, like, I want to know what the, what's, if they're just trolls or if these people's lives are that sad. Yeah. Like that you think it's manipulative to ask for someone to support you as you're grieving on your birthday. Like, I don't, I don't yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just crazy how many comments were like, she's so annoying. Why is she I, always I so fucking go- sad? Your dad's been dead for years. Get over it. The Shit comments like are always shocking. I'm always like, we're all together on
0: this, right? No, we're not. None of
1: us are together on anything. I just hope they're trolls. I just hope they're trolls. Or yeah. maybe we should be like Swarm, the TV show, and we can go I'll kill all these people with mean <laughs> comments about Ariana. <laughs> It's really good. I think you should watch it. Okay, I'm going anyways. to.
0: Um, well, with so, this writer's yeah. strike,
1: I'm going to need to. I'm going to watch everything I've ever said I would watch for you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, Rollins blaming the woman. I guess she should have sat and taken it, according to Rollins. And I bet she would have been like, why didn't she fight back? It's like insane. We find out that she has bleeding behind her ears, possible sc- skull fracture. She was hit multiple times in the head. Benson asks if she was raped. We'll see um, rape. We you know we gotta wait for the rape kit. But her robe was ripped open, and then now we have a delivery boy witness, and he heard someone say it was Snake in Dallas, so he hung around. And Carisi's questioning him. It was dark out, and Carisi's like, "Whoa, I love that mongoose bike. I'm sure that's not gonna come back." <laughs> Um, and sends the kid off. And Benson asks if he gave him anything. And Crazy's like, "Ah, oh, no, just the looky-loo. And then they commiserate how much they hate celebrity cases. Um, and so it's 10 Grammys, 25 nominations. The press is asking if it was Snake and the detectives enter the house. Everyone is out and about, dusting, searching for evidence. They find a Glock. It could have been the victims. There's no sign of force entry, I says, as he walks in. And he also said that the security cameras were hacked last week and the security system was off. So hmm. strange for such rich, yeah. icons, you know. Um, Rollins rolls in to inform the group. Another witness says they got into a big fight recently, and Finn is like, "No way he would do this." And Creasy informs him there were two domestic disputes at this address last month. But where is Snake now? He's doing a concert at the Apollo, which is not really a giant venue. So I wonder if you know where. No, he but is I wonder if, if it's just a pop up. To- yeah, I wonder if just doing it because it's iconic, like, I don't know. But I think you know? he would have already done it. So that's what I mean. I wonder if it was just like a quick pop up show. Yeah. Or he's, you know, at that level. I don't know. But I, I, it seemed like they were both kind of superstars. Yes. But the Apollo is cool. No knock on the Apollo. Yes. Um, It just <laughs> gives clues as to what's going on. I've actually, on here. have you been in? I've never been into it. Never So been I don't in. know how big it is. Yeah. I'm going to guess 3,000. Let's see. I'm gonna. What, yeah, it's do certainly a not MSG for sure. Do you sure. want to do a guess? No. Um. I. I. I would say
0: I'll do prices right and say two thousand nine hundred
1: ninety nine. <laughs> um. We're both uh, over fifteen hundred. Wow. So 1538. intimate. Yeah. Intimate. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I cool go that, to that they show. do a it's cool that they shoot there too. Anyway, so we're at the Apollo, sorry, but you know, we <laughs> We love venues. Okay, so a concert's happening and it's a Kanye vibe of song, I would say. And there she is, Venetia, singing her slut ass off. Um, <laughs> and I love this song. Like, I'm really into this fake Kanye song. And co- fake Kanye is played by Orlando Jones. Um, and then from the corner, we see Finn off stage, side stage. And Orlando Jones knows him. So um, fake Kanye Orlando's like, Finn, oh my God. And then Finn gets a full shout out to the, the, all the audience. He's like, Manhattan's own. And Orlando Jones, um, that end quote, to Finn Tutuola, baby, Harlem's own. And Carisi is confused and jealous. Like he doesn't get what's happening. And he makes Finn come out, calls him family. And then Finn whispers into his ear and Orlando looks stunned. He says, shows over family emergency and walks off. And they run off, and we um, head to the credits. Finally, Jesus. So Um, when I wait, I just want
0: to say when I was like researching this episode for the crime part, I I ended up on like a Reddit thread discussion of the episode, and like everyone wanted to know what the song was. Everyone was like, "What's the song that he's singing with Venetia?" Like everybody loves it. So SVU needs to like release some of this fake music that's on their show, but also put put out a CD. Yeah. So I know Orlando Jones from Mad TV is is he anything else for you? Um, 7 Up. Oh. Make 7 Up yours, baby. Yes, I had the t-shirt <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, somebody gave it to me, like a big t-shirt in college that said, make seven up yours. I thought those commercials were so funny for some reason. They really tickled me in the right time of my life. I guess when I was like 19 and they came out, I thought they were so hilarious.
1: Yeah. And then um, I did look and he was in office space. He sold the magazines to them. Oh. Um, oh the my magazine God, I love subscriptions. It really is one of the best movies. It's so good. A hit, it's a hit, baby. So, okay, we're back. It's you know. So in the credits, though, I never really noticed Peter's photo, and he's standing by like a train as a train you know flies forward. And I really like that. I think that would have been my choice for photo. <laughs> like, do you ever think about like what your SNL photo would be? Or, like um, the beginning. Yeah, I guess I've thought about it. I guess I've thought about it, I but like I don't. This Carisi choice or Scanavino. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they got to decide.
0: Yeah, like I would probably just be like hailing a cab and being like, oh, it's you, hi, you know, (laughs) like to the camera, but- Yeah, I don't, I gotta like look at the credits again. I feel like I didn't even
1: notice this. Well, that's what I mean. I never noticed it either, but I liked it. I liked the way he looked. So we're back and we're just leaving the concert. No time, no time lapses. And Carisi's walking, asking like Finn how they know each other as mobs of cameras and people are trying to get a peek. And Finn explains that their moms were best friends. So they're childhood friends. Carisi is butthurt because he didn't get a heads up about that. Okay, Orlando's in the limo and it's big as hell and he thanks Finn for coming down personally and Carisi's dumb ass is like well we have some questions for you and Orlando's like who the fuck is this and ignores Carisi fully (laughs) and I'm on his side like you can't you question a little bit later I don't know I don't like the attitude and Finn just told you this is his childhood friend so sit your ass down fucking Staten Island So um, he blames Twitter and stalkers. And he's like, there's so many fucking stalkers, man. And Carisi's like, well, we heard from your neighbor that you fight a lot and you just fought before you left. And he's like, I never laid hands on my wife. And Carisi pushes Then Why did the cops show up twice for domestic abuse at your house? And he turns it on Carisi and he goes, well, one day when you get a woman, we'll see if you don't yell now and then. And Finn pushes. So all you did was scream. And Orlando's like, damn, Finn, you too, man. And Finn is like, dude, I just need to know what you guys are, fighting about. And he says one word, (laughs) Venetia. So I love Venetia so much. Um, (laughs) He was on her last record and there are reports that they were together, but it's false. And so they keep pushing him further. Like, how'd you get that bruise on your face? And Orlando says that he got into a fight with paparazzi, people who got too close to his daughter, Lexi. And then he calls Carisi Wonder Bread. And I think he deserves it. Finn is like, Okay, then why haven't we seen anything released about that? And he explains that his pan- manager paid off the paparazzi dude. And the paparazzi's got, name is Amir Khoury. And he goes, when I left Dallas, she was fine. And so they meet everyone in the hospital. Rollins fills Creasy in that she has significant brain swelling. And they put her in a medically induced coma to release pressure. Um, the rate. Kit was sent to the lab And Orlando makes a wild choice In front of the cops And says whoever did this Is going to die Finn responds Come on cuz And then (laughs) somber music plays um, With the background Of a heart monitor So it's a really A collab the uh between the heart machine and some tunes and so then orlando is sad and walks over to his wife but not before pushing finn a little bit with his shoulder and carisi then decides to question finn about their relationship and rollins um that little star fucker is just like holy shit you know snake and i just love how consistent she is throughout her tenure Finn says they haven't seen each other since they were 16 but Carisi is still like sure but you don't think he did it um, and they all decide like let's just go talk to Amir the paparazzi so they leave Rollins at the hospital and they run to LA Central Restaurant so this guy is such a greasy little meatball and I love him and he goes ah, I was paid off I'm fine with it and Finn's like uh, your face looks crazy though and he goes whatever I don't care I just hope Dallas is okay her face is prettier than mine and then he did do you think Snake's the one who beat her up? And he's like, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't shock him. You never know how temper erupts. Finn is like, he was on stage during the attack and the paparazzi meatball goes, sure. And OJ was in Chicago. Finn asks for proof from the paparazzi and the, pops, the pap says he's a celeb. People cover for celebs. And then has a wild theory. He says, guys running for Saint don't spend a lot of time in Fado's playground. What? It's a rage room. So then the paparazzi sees a celebrity and, you know, little meatball goes and runs. And so then the Senfato's playground is a place where you smash stuff. So it's like an escape room, but instead of escaping, you smash. I've only seen these on reality shows. I've only, I've never
0: heard a person go to one or seen one in person. I've only seen them go on various casts like the Housewives. And I think the VPR people went to one, like...
1: I would do it. I would do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I definitely would, and I don't think this is wrong. Like, I if it keeps you in check, like I don't think this is a a sign of criminality. So yeah. we hear Finn to an employee in the darkness behind um, that smashing things, and he saw oh, people really pay for this. And the worker is like, "It's cheaper than a shrink. You smash and you scream, and you know, and so they get more." scoop. So there's deluxe rooms, you get a dummy, and you can get Donald or Hillary, she says. So this is very of the times. And of course, they record everything and they want to see snake surveillance. And he's beating up a dummy and he's calling the dummy Dallas and screaming, I'll kill you, Dallas. So... Not not that good. But Creasy's like, you still think he's innocent? And we cut to Orlando kissing her forehead. As male detectives arrive, Orlando says, you find the fuckers that did this and ice is so cold and goes, stand up as he jingles handcuffs. He stands I don't up. Really,
0: I don't really understand how footage of him beating up no. a dummy gets you a warrant for this. Right? It it's this like is- very SVU, like jumping to whatever they want to do.
1: It's it's not real because we've seen episodes where they have so much evidence and they can't do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So someone at a a place where the whole point is to hit things, you're not doing anything outside of the norm of a legal establishment. Right. And you're not, yeah, yeah foolish. This was foolish. So he stands up and says, uh, you talk to Amir? And Creasy goes, yeah. And we talked to the smash room place. And he goes, oh, come on. So then he goes, it's a mistake. It's not how it looks. And then he says, dead ass. And I like that so finn cuffs him and they all take him in and the ipad is out and finn's showing him the footage that they saw at the smash place and the lighting is gorgeous in this shot and orlando says it's a rage release and it's better than pills but you wouldn't know what it's like to have my life and finn goes oh yeah being rich must be rough and he uses some tabloids and asks about marital problems and it's like phil 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 (laughs) philly (laughs) You know, tabloids are a lie. Come on. Orlando's like, yeah. And last week I died in a car accident and gets up and pushes his chair and screams. It's all lies. Finn is like, oh, you got to hit me like you hit her. And he says, get up out of my face. And they start arguing. Stone and Benson are spying. And they're like, "Um, <laughs> maybe he's not the right guy for this job. But Finn is sickened uh, by him and shows the crime scene photos and calls him a disgrace off of one footed. Like, This is unlike Finn. This is just like a a lapse, a lapse for me. And he says, I'm a disgrace. You want to look in the mirror and shoves him. So Benson runs in, pulls him out. They make him take a break and he sighs and runs off. Orlando's mom is here. So then Finn goes, oh, Joe, I haven't seen you in a long time. She slaps his ass hard. They go talk in private. She is she says, I took you in for six months when your mama died. Yeah, you definitely need to be off this case, Finn. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with everyone here. He says, I love you, and she still guilts him. How could you? How could you arrest my baby without as much as a, of a phone call? Um, he's family to you. Where is your loyalty? You really believe my child could do this? I'm his mama, and I gotta do something. Finn says, listen, if you want to do something, tell me what's going on with Justin and Dallas. Like, she goes, they're married, okay? So she she sits down and then she explains when Justin first made it the red fraff would never leave him alone but Dallas changed all of it she cleaned him up good and Finn pushes and now and she's like I don't get to see my baby as often as I would like you know she's the superstar so what she says goes but he would never raise a hand to that girl and she has perfect gray curls (laughs) Finn says it doesn't look good for him right now and she cries and pleads uh, that he has to fix this he owes them she grabs his face and says you owe me He looks down and says, listen, go take care of Lexi and I'll call you. Stone and Benson are spying on that conversation, too. And Stone definitely wants him off the case. Benson breathes deep. She'll take care of it. Finn walks out of the room and Benson's like, um, yeah, she called you family. And so then Finn (laughs) explains. So Finn's old man thought he could get off by ripping off the neighborhood drug dealers. And then the OGs figured it out and then shot at Finn and his parents at a local bodega as they were coming out. And Finn and his dad went untouched, but his mother died in the street.
0: Have we ever heard that story before? Is this the first time we're hearing that in season 20? I feel I like guess. I didn't know that.
1: I didn't either. I'm trying to think what we learned during the ludicrous episodes, but... Yeah, that seemed like it I was more remember. about, like,
0: his him and his wife and, like... Um, oh, yeah. You know, and less about his parents. Like, so... Interesting. Yeah. I just was wondering if you had a memory because I don't, but I'm no. sure someone will message and let me know.
1: Benson says, I'm so sorry. And then so Joe took him in. So she took Finn in until his grandparents uh, moved from Fayetteville to take care of him, which is really like cool for the grandparents. Cause in most cases you would have to be a kid leaving and you'd go live yeah. with the grandparents. So it's cool that his grandparents came to keep his life consistent. But also, wasn't his dad still alive? Yes, yeah, so we could stay <laughs> with his
0: dad, probably, too. They were just probably moving to help the dad, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't living with his dad. He was living with Joe. Yeah.
0: The dad's a drug dealer, though, right? So maybe it's...
1: I don't know. Was not, wasn't an option. Not a yeah. suitable home. Yeah. Benson leans in. that uh, That doesn't mean you can cover for Snake. Uh, phone buzzes, who is it? Benson answers and it's Rollins. She's on her way to meet her because Dallas is awake and they're gonna um, keep Snake in the cage. So they're at the hospital. Dallas says he has never laid a hand on me and she has an all-around bandage on her head. So that's a really elite SVU club. Congrats. Congrats, babe. You make an all-around-the-head bandage look incredible. Slay, She says, yeah, me and Justin got into a fight before he left, but like, who fucking cares? She says, someone else did this to me and I could prove it. She explains that after Justin left, she was FaceTiming with her mom in Boca. She's in a nursing home and Justin was already at the Apollo and they're like, fine, so what do you remember? She breathes deep. She is beautiful. And she just, so what she remembers is she got off with uh, the phone with her mom and went to bed and then she heard something downstairs. She thought it was Lexi and Wallace, so she went downstairs and next thing she knew, there was a man standing in Her room. He was wearing a mask and gloves. She ran to get the gun from behind the bar, but he just hit her and hit her and hit her. She breaks down in tears, crying. Benson asks if she was raped. She cries harder and says, "I don't know. You know, I I know we're famous, but we're just people. It's part of the deal we make with the world, I guess." Benson says, "Nobody deserves what happened to you." She says, "Well, there's a whole world on Twitter that disagrees with you." Rollins asks what she means, and she's basically explains that Snake and RB Banks are in a diss war. So they said, diss, if you'd like to take a drink, take a hit, eat a jelly bean, this is your moment. (laughs) So they badmouth each other in their raps. It's good for PR and sales, she says, but we're all good. Like, we all are fine, but the fans take it too seriously. The nurse, an actual true advocate for the victims, goes, why don't we let her rest? I think her brain just came back to life. Chill out. (laughs) So Benson runs to tell Finn about the old folks home confirming the call um, with her mother. Great news. Your friend is not a woman beater. Cut him loose. Uh, But the damage has been done. He gets released and Finn says, Snake, you didn't do it. And Orlando goes, yeah, I appreciate you. Again, why would they arrest him a good friend from just a video, like it from a smash place. I I will never get over it. Finn is trying to be friendly now and offering a ride. Orlando is done. Fuck off, bro. Finn is like, there's a lot of press outside and he goes, safer than you. That hurts, Finn. Ooh. Benson is walking around when Rollins flags her down to share some Twitter scoop. Something was posted on her page two weeks ago. So it's a video of baby Lexi and she's dancing and, you know, having a good time spinning around. And in the background, Snake is fucking around with the security system. And if you put it on slow motion, you can see him pressing the code and like the buttons. So Ooh. Fuck. You know, 200,000 plus people liked the video. So it could be one of them as a stalker, but you can't, what? So her manager is getting a list together of anyone they've had trouble with in the past. And they start reading uh, fucked up letters and messages out loud. And Carisi reads one out loud. Teach that Black Taylor Swift wife of yours a lesson. Okay, that's not chill. Um, so, uh, you know, but it's rap lyrics. R.B. Banks dropped that last week and he liked the video of Lexi dancing. So we're going to go meet up with R.B. Banks, rapper Diswar in the community. Not really happy with Dallas, And who is R.B. Banks? It's Snoop Dogg. S- Snoop Dogg! The hardest working yeah, yeah, man mm- yeah, yeah, right, in the world. Stoner hero, I would say. Martha Stewart's best friend. Th- Honestly, I haven't heard a bad thing about him. So I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess he was arrested for murder back in the 90s, but I don't think he was convicted. Was he? I didn't know. Murder was the case that they gave him. That's
0: what he says. What do you mean? That's one of his lyrics. Murder is the case that they gave me. But like I didn't I thought that was all just like posturing. I guess I don't know my snoop history.
1: <laughs> no, like it is really cool. I mean, Ice is in this category. Ice Cube is in this category. Snoop, like, starting with gangster rap and ending up with like, cookbooks, children's movies, the stories, A, a Cheerios box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool to see um, gangsters grown up. So, I love that. Yeah, I think I have three lines going. I love him so much. Truly, I love Snoop. Like, <laughs> it's really fucked up. Um, so he's in a recording studio, and right away he tells Christian and Rollins that bitch got what she deserved. Not nice. And they're like, you know we're cops, right? And he goes, I don't care. I haven't done anything. Rollins says, well, what about the diswar? war? That's humiliating, Rollins. Um, I would have fought and been like, I can't say this line out loud. So they bring up the Taylor Swift thing and he justifies it saying that Snake accused him of having a ghostwriter. And Carisi's like, where were you, babe? And he's like, I was home all night and the doorman can vouch for me. Um... And that's that. And then he straight up says to them, beat it. So we're at the precinct. Benson arrives with good news. The rape kit came back negative. Finn says, thank God for the little things. Stone is the dumbest man alive, walks in with the paper and goes, why is our case on the front page? Are they not two famous, successful artists? What are you talking about, Stone?
0: There were paparazzi right outside the minute she was getting taken out in a stretcher.
1: It's just like, he's so dumb. How are you alive? How are you a lawyer? They're both (laughs) giantly famous. Like, I can't even deal with it. Like, obviously, in old episodes like Stranger, where it's like a minor kidnapped sex slave. Fuck, why is this on the papers? That makes sense. Why are the two biggest celebrities... (laughs) I I just hate him. I hate him. He's (laughs) trying to point fingers at the squad. And they're like, what about the Grammys? Why don't you go point at them? Like, shut up. Finn sees the paper and says, fuck, I hope Snake doesn't do anything stupid. So we get um, to Bank's studio ASAP because they're scared. Like there's going to be the disc war is going to be turned into a real physical war. And Benson and Finn are in a black car spying. Dallas is still in the hospital and Joe and Lexi are there with her. Snake saw the paper and took off is what we, you know, the scoop. And it's like, isn't Snake the one who knows the tabloids are lies? But then Finn is like, no matter how much fame and Bentleys, I guess it's hard to get over disrespect. Benson takes a moment, checks in with Finn, sees how he's doing, and he's having a hard time being vulnerable. But he does pop off. He's pissed. He's embarrassed. A lot of things. So we're here. Banks walks out of his studio, eight people behind him. An escalade drives by, and they all stop. Tons of escalades, tons of men. Guns are out. Snake comes out and asks, Banks, you trying to take me out? And then Banks is like, you fucking with me? I don't know. I don't know what they're saying. But Snoop is like, oh, you're here to take me out. So they both are trying to take each other out. I, I don't know what to tell you. And then Snoop admi- um, admits to it and says, that bitch got what she deserved and takes ownership of the crime. He escapes Rollins' grip, runs at Snoop. A few people have to stop him. Benson is on Snoop trying to relax him. I'm wondering at the end of the workday who smoked weed with Snoop Dogg. Or in the middle of the workday.
0: I mean, I worked on something with Snoop Dogg where he was just smoking weed in the hallways like the whole time.
1: I'm not talking about Snoop smoking weed. That is a given. I'm saying I don't think Benson would smoke during the workday. Oh no, no. So what? I wonder if she would smoke after. Well, that's what I'm asking. Who do you think smoked with Snoop at the end of the day? (laughs) I don't think it's Benson.
0: I don't think it's Rollins. I don't know. Maybe
1: Carisi for sure. Yeah, maybe Scanavino. I feel like Finn. I feel like I feel like Hargitay would smoke weed with Snoop. Maybe. Well, if we meet, if we get to talk to Ice T or, or Marishka or Peter, <laughs> we have to remember to ask this. We will ask Casey. Write a note. We ne- if we get any of the leads. <laughs> we need to know who smoked with Snoop. At we the need end of the day. to know. Um. Yeah, I kind of love it. You think? Yeah, not even Warren Light. But, well, yeah,
0: Warren wasn't around. I wonder who. Oh, we should ask. Oh, we should ask our friend that wrote on this season. Didn't he write on this season, or was yes. he gone by yes. now? Yes.
1: DM him. DM him. <laughs> Maybe by the intro. By when it airs, we'll get it. If you think have an idea, let us know. Um, so the cuffs are on banks. Benson drags him off. Snake is, um, you know, staring into the distance. He's upset. And we open an interrogation. Benson's like, so you're telling me not to believe my own ears? And he goes, what do I know? Maybe you need a Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, my ears are fine, and you confess to a crime. And he corrects her. No, I confess to what I said in my raps. She does not like this. He says, no way I beat her, um, but his alibi does suck. The video from the building confirmed that you weren't home the night of the attack, and he really doesn't want to share his true alibi. Obviously, he's cheating on his wife. So that's what's happening. He would rather admit to cheating than go to Rikers, obviously. And then he goes, come on, you're trying to ruin my happy home? (laughs) (laughs) But he writes down the name of the bitch he's cheating with. Uh, So Dallas is home. She's in a cute turban. And she has like, Ivy stands in her nice home. And Orlando's with her. Finn's like, you think it's a good idea to bring her home? And it's like, babe, they're rich. They're so rich. They have doctors on call. It's probably safer here than in a hospital. Um, And they want Finn to leave. They kind of hate him. And he just wanted to let them know that Banks Alibi checked out. It's not him. And it's like, who the fuck did this? But Finn on the way out Sees Lexi playing video games His passion So that's really sweet And they have like a little A little moment And she says that she plays With Grandma Joe a lot um, Because Daddy is not really here that often Okay She's spilling everything To Finn Um, And also the little girl Lexi Says that Mommy told him To kick his mom out interesting so oh. she's playing video games with grandma joe until the dad kicked her out so we head up to west 133rd street and he's like joe what's up what's your relationship with dallas tell me everything um she goes as cop or family he goes family first so she trusts him i guess immediately for no reason <laughs> and dad, well, not no reason but he did just fuck up huge Dallas and her used to be good. What happened? Of course, money. Um, She's scared that Justin's going to piss it all away if she's not holding the string. So any like she's in charge of everything. And he goes, well, didn't didn't he buy you a place? She goes, that was 10 years ago. It needed fixing up. And so she usually she just writes to the business manager who writes her a check. And she got a check for $250,000 for the fixing the updates some HGTV moments. And she found, (laughs) and so Dallas found out and was mad. And she, and like the grandma Joe wanted more money and Dallas refused. And she's like, what the fuck? That's my baby's money. But she didn't want to bring it up to Justin and she didn't want to start any trouble. And that's that. But this episode is silly. I don't know why she would spill all these beans. So, Finn is depressed at his desk. He's pouting. Rollins comes in to say they looked at Joe's financials and she goes, damn, I hope my girls take care of me like this. So three months ago, Joe wrote a check for $250,000 to to a Vic Lewis. Is that a contractor? I don't know because there's no contractors under that name in the city, but they're going to go to the Vic Lewis that they found an address for. And Finn wants to go alone, but Rollins is coming, whether he likes it or not. They head um, to Fancy Meeting You Hair. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. 136th Street, April 24th. Let's go. Wait, this is actually stretching a long time. Oh, no, it just aired May 2nd. I was like, this is the longest case in history. (laughs) Vicky denies knowing anything, and Rollins is like, oh, so you get tons of $250,000 checks. (laughs) So Finn describes her, Joe Anderson, nice black lady, 78 years old. And our girl's in dark lipstick goes, okay. So she was investing. And he goes, "Mm, she has better taste than this. Dis. (laughs) Another dis. Another dis. (laughs) She scoffs, then starts walking and talking to the back of the salon. And she's like, listen, I'm entitled to that money, especially with all this Me Too stuff lying around. And so we get the scoop. And about a year ago, um, she was at his show at the Garden. She was backstage. The manager invited her to Snake's hotel room and she needed cash to start this place. So done and done. Um, She got to Joe because she couldn't get close to Snake. And she offered a bunch of money to keep quiet. Finn and Rollins make eye contact. And now we're at a bowling party. He denies cheating. Um, to Finn and Joe is right behind him and they're like, so why is your mom paying this white woman a ton of money for nothing? Rollins has the photo of Vicky on her phone and flashes it and he says it was one time. That can't be right. Just one time with this woman? Like, what? But he calls her thirsty and says she threw herself at him. Joe says, shut up which reminds me of Kennedy Davenport, always and forever. She came to me and I didn't want to see his face with hers on the cover of magazines, but like, how did she get that kind of money? And she goes to Mr. Maples. We've already discussed all this. Timmy, yada, yada. Oh no. She goes, Mr. Maples. And then Finn goes, wait, what about Timmy? And Snake laughs and says, damn, you're old. Timmy died in 06. Rollins confirms the death at the precinct and Finn's like, I don't know. I don't really love the timeline. Something is missing here. And so he goes to get, okay. So as he's leaving, trying to contemplate, like what's missing? Oh, I'm going to do detective work. Um, Someone comes and gives him ballistics report on the gun found under Dallas. The prints were hers. It's her gun, but she got this gun illegally because ballistics popped off on an old crime. And the old crime is an unsolved murder of a gangsta named Malik Harper. Finn says, thank you. But the music playing suggests there's more to this story. The captions say it's foreboding music if that means anything to you. <laughs> Finn looks suspicious and runs off. Finn is at an Irish wooden bar talking to a retired cop who doesn't remember anything or any particular corpse. Finn's trying to get info from him, like morgue photos, this, that. And, he, and the cop goes, you know people, cops that are haunted by old unresolved cases? well, I'm not one of them. So Finn is like, so you never gave a damn? He goes, listen, I didn't have enough damn to give. He's like, can you just please help me? Here's an address. Like, just think. He goes, oh my God, this address is right above Eleanor's, best ribs in the city. They tore it down about six years ago. So now he remembers. The ribs were that good. He remembers the man being shot. So what he remembers is the girlfriend works the counter at the rib place. And when when the news broke about Malia leak, um, she threw ribs at him. So that's kind of funny. So there's no name, but it was a crazy white chick and she was pregnant. And so I think we're starting to put some stuff together, hopefully, unless you're not. And I will continue talking. Benson's trying to leave the office, but Rollins has something that can't wait. She says that she dove deeper into Dallas's socials. Check it out. So there's always a bike in the background of some photos. So not always, just a few photos. (laughs) Um, and so it's a bike. It's the same bike. And then Carisi remembers the bike from the beginning of the episode, the mongoose that belonged to the Lookie Lou. And so, okay, what's going on here? So the Lookie Lou is Andreas Harper. Hello, Malik Harper there's a connection. Finn is upset um, and super emo and walks around without sharing anything with the group as Andreas is in interrogation and he maintains that he had a delivery down the block and once he saw the cops and, you know, he heard it was Snake in Dallas, he needed to check it out and Benson goes, nah, man, We call delivery, all the delivery food services. None of them have a record of you. So then he breaks down. He goes, fine, I'm a huge fan. I just thought if I hung around the apartment long enough, Snake would come talk to me. And Benson goes, yeah, talk to you about what? And so then Benson also is like, well, if you're such a big fan, why were you at the apartment with his wife? If you were a real fan, you would have been at the concert. And he's looking mad at her. And she's like, straight up, you were there for Dallas. And he shouts back, I was there for Snake. Benson fights back. Um, this isn't my first time with stalkers, okay? I've seen them all. The sad guy, the psychopath. So which one are you? What happened? And he has tears in his eyes and goes, don't I get a lawyer or something? And she goes, yes. And don't forget to show them this bicycle lock because we're going to take it to the the lab. And if any of Dallas's DNA is on it, we don't actually have to talk to you at all. Finn is now talking to the crazy white chick salon owner. And it's a sunny day in New York and... He's like, I'm not on the case. And she's like, okay, so why are you talking to me? And he's like, well, you know, Andreas is at the station and he's about to be charged and that's your kid. And she goes, yeah, nobody said that wasn't my kid, but he has no reason to hurt Dallas. And Finn is like, I have a long list, but let's start with revenge. And she's like, for what? To get back at the man who killed his father, Malik Harper. And then they stop and they stare face to face. And she says, nobody knows who killed Malik, especially Andreas. She starts to walk off and Finn is trying to push her on stuff. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not going to help you put my son in jail. Back off. The acrylic nails in the sky are wagging. And that is, that's the scene. And scene. (laughs) Finn looks confused, but it's like, come on, dude. So, Like, she's not going to help put her child in jail. So now Finn is in jail to talk to Andreas. And he's like, the lawyer told me not to talk to any cops. And he also has an orange cool jacket. Like, I've never seen a prison jacket before, but it's like, Pretty nice. Cold day, I guess. Cold yeah. day in April? Yeah, I just have never <laughs> seen prison-issued coats, I don't think. I guess orange is the new black. They had coats. Yeah. So um, I just think pretty fashion-forward for a prison. So he convinces Andreas to talk to him because he gets it, because he saw his mom get shot in front of a bodega. And the story connects with him. So Andreas swallows aggressively and is down to chat with him now. He asks if Finn got revenge and he's like, they killed my mom, the person I cared about most. I wanted him to feel the same pain as I did. Killing him wasn't enough. And Andreas cuts him off. He should have suffered. She uh, should have died, he yells. So Dallas, uh, Dallas, Finn asks, Andreas answers, he, he would have hurt then. It wouldn't have been enough, but he would have hurt. Solemn music begins to play. Andreas walks back inside after his shouting performance. So he did do it. Finn stands longingly thinking. Then he goes to see, so hopefully everyone has put it together. That snake with a gun ballistics. Snake killed Malik Harper and Andreas is the son who wanted to make Snake suffer. So Finn goes to see Snake over the intercom um, and Snake's like, I got nothing to say to you. And Finn goes, great, I'm gonna talk and you could just listen, you dumb bitch. So he gets buzzed in and Snake has an attitude and they're like, boo, you whore. And Finn's like, I'm here to talk about your mother and Snake says, she's a good lady. Then asks him a question. Do you think I should have turned Yusuf in after I saw him kill my mother? Snake chuckles this is not funny but he goes that's not how it's done if they thought you were a snitch you would have been dead by dinner and Snake says also the cops aren't about to change or help like the cops wouldn't have helped anyways they're not good and Finn well now Finn's a cop but yeah he said the cops wouldn't have changed anything Finn would have been dead like no one cares and Finn says I didn't do anything for that kid that attacked Dallas, but everything you do in your past will eventually come back on you. He says he wouldn't know. So Finn brings up Malik Harper and Snake says, damn, I haven't heard that name in a minute. Finn goes, well, yeah, he got shot dead about 18 years ago. Uh, Tough break, Snake says, while drinking out of a matte black mug cool. Finn tells a story about Yusuf. So 30 years after he killed his mom, he got a call to 127th Street that there, um, and there he was stretched out on the concrete, two in the back of the head. Um, and so Finn didn't want to solve the crime because he was a piece of shit. And then just how Malik was a piece of shit. And Snake agrees, like, yeah, they're both bad dudes. Uh, And then Orlando is like, Snake, whatever, is playing games. And it's like, Finn is here because he knows something. (laughs) You know, like, he's not actually playing charades. (laughs) He has the evidence. So then Snake asks, well, if whoever killed him did it in self-defense, would that make a difference? And Finn gets real professional and says that if the shooter could prove it, he wouldn't be charged. Snake gets closer to Finn in a slow pace while saying nobody would ever believe him. You know what I mean? You know how it is. And then he scoffs. Finn says, you got to remember one thing. Everything you do in your past will eventually come back to bite you. Snake nods. Finn says, take care of those ladies upstairs. They stare at each other. Snake says, church. They hug. I didn't know that that was a goodbye, but cool. Finn exits the luxury building when young boys on bikes are like, whoa, you know, does Snake live there? And Finn responds, no, he still lives uptown. Then he whispers to himself and always will. And then he puts on his sunglasses and walks off into the New York distance. And that's Dick Wolf, baby. I gotta say
0: this episode just has like a few weird holes for me. Like, it's just a very confusing episode. It's hard to connect the dots. Like, so Andreas killed, Andreas never met his father. I understand like that's hard to grow up without a father, but like, I don't know that you would feel the pain of missing someone that you've never met before enough to like risk your entire future to attack Beyonce, basically, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not all coming together for me. And then, when did Vic fuck Snake after she had Andreas and she just needed the money for the salon? Yeah, it must have been like decade a decade later.
1: She's like, "Oh, I'll I just go fuck the guy that killed my
0: baby daddy to get money for my salon."
1: I don't think that's real. I don't think the fucking is real. I think she threatened Joe. I think oh, she was like, "Give me I the know money." He killed my husband. Got it.
0: This
1: Got is it. his baby. Yeah, got
0: it. That makes even sense, Even if it's okay. not the
1: death, but it's like, this is your baby. And I also wonder if Andreas wouldn't care as much who his dad was if it wasn't someone famous.
0: Yeah, like I see you living the life and you killed my, my dad and like left me without a dad.
1: Yeah. But the mom, the crazy white chick seemed not involved, not visiting yeah. her son in prison, just out living her life. Um, I, I also don't get how Finn put it together to even ask Joe the warrant with the smash room. This episode is just disjointed, but
0: great. Also, like, another cop brought Finn the ballistics report. Like, that gun popped on another murder, and it was found in their house. Someone has to investigate that. That's not just going to go away. And, like, Finn walking away and letting his pal get away with something, because like, that doesn't feel like Finn at all. Not to mention it's reminding me of this current season where... Benson is like, Velasco, go find your old buddy from Mexico and make him pay for
1: his crimes. Like, I just feel like all of them make sure there's justice. Yeah, but then I'm going to let Betty Buckley, you know, get away with something. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well,
0: I guess there might not have been proof on that one. But yeah, yeah, the moral stances feel like they're, woo, like really up and down. But
1: yeah, a good episode. I also, I mean, Andrea's committed the crime, but I don't want him to do that much time.
0: I know. He has to. I wonder if it would be attempted murder or assault and battery. Like maybe you only get a few years for that. I don't know. No, because if he, I
1: mean, a bike lock to the head and breaking and leg And like even murder dead. Like yeah. you do deserve to go to jail. Yeah. I feel bad for your circumstances, but I love, I'm team Dallas. Yeah, but also why does like the woman have to, I don't know. Why
0: does the woman have to suffer for something that her her guy did? Like get attack him. Make
1: him feel pain. Like, she didn't do anything to your dad. Well, it's kind of like uh, manipulated, too, where their first yeah. thing is like, oh, someone's trying to get to her by destroying her husband, you know. I don't, right. Right. I don't know yeah. what people are up to. Not my hobby. Not my <laughs> hobby. It's fucking people's lives up through murder and revenge. Well, I have some interesting factoids coming up,
0: so listen to these brief messages, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, we're back. So obviously Dallas and Snake seem to be roughly based off of Beyonce and Jay-Z. You could even make the argument that the Venetia thing is like the whole Rihanna rumor when he was working with Rihanna and everyone thought they were sleeping together and that's allegedly what led to the whole Solange elevator thing. But Snake has hey.
1: more. I thought the elevator thing was Becky with the good hair. Rachel Roy. Oh, I thought it was Rihanna. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no. It no. was Rachel Roy. But I actually have insights because it of was what was really going on from someone that works at Def Jam that I know.
0: Oh, wow. Well, you can tell me later if you can. But um the I thought it was because Rihanna was gonna be at a party they were going to, and Solange flipped out and was like, why would you have her here like that? Rachel Roy. Okay.
1: Because then everyone got Rachel Roy and Rachel Ray confused. And the beehives started attacking Rachel Ray on Instagram.
0: Well, I didn't think the Rachel Roy shit came out until Lemonade with Becky with the good hair. But obviously, I don't know what's going on. But Snake also has Kanye, shades of Kanye. As you said, the song sounded kind of Kanye. And, uh, but with the number of Grammy nominations they're saying the woman has and how famous they are as like a couple in music, it's definitely Jay and Bay to me. And Jay-Z has had a lot of rap beefs with people um, that they always seem kind of low-key, just like rapping about each other in songs. There's no really violence or retaliation against family members. That's where it kind of differs in this episode. But probably his most noted beef, which, by the way, diss war, you would just say beef, is I think how they say it in the in hip-hop. Uh, his most noted beef is with fellow New York City rapper Nas. They started fighting in the late 90s into the 2000s. And it actually started in 96 when I guess Nas no-showed for a recording session for a track on Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt album. Then they started taking shots at each other in songs and it got really heated in 2001 on Jay-Z's The Blueprint in a song that Kanye produced called Takeover, where Jay-Z calls Nas a has-been and says Nas has, quote, one hot album every 10-year average. And he like, you know, questions his street cred. It's like a lot of disrespect as they talk about in this episode. That same year, Nas claps back with this track called Ether, which is known now as like a historic district. Track. and um, Remy Ma like released a diss track called Sheether that was aimed at Nicki Minaj that's like a reference to that so that's considered one of like the biggest diss tracks of all time and then Jay-Z released Super what Ugly what did he
1: say about what did he say about Jay-Z and the diss track I think just like he's
0: tired like Lame, you know, like in early beefs, he makes fun of Jay Z having a Lexus with TVs, and he's like, "That's the bare minimum that you should have. Like, you should like." As soon as I heard Jay Z rap about that, I got rid of my Lexus. Like, you need to have more than that. That's like bear, or something like that. I was reading about, so I don't know the exact. Uh, I didn't write down the exact uh, disses from Ether, but then Jay Z released Super Ugly, in which he brags about having a three year affair with Nas's girlfriend Carmen Bryan. So. They're hitting below the belt. And this one is so bad that Jay-Z's mom, Gloria Carter, so I feel like this might be where they got the inspiration to like bring in the moms and everything. Gloria Carter calls into Hot 97 and said that her son should apologize to Nas and his family, which I kind of love. Wild. Jay-Z did call in later and apologize to his mother and any female listeners who he might have offended with the lyrics. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So then they call a ceasefire for a couple of years. And then in 2005, they reconcile publicly in front of a sold out crowd in New Jersey for Jay-Z's I Declare War Tour. They perform Dead Presidents and the World is Yours. And Jay-Z said, all that beef shit is done. We had our fun. Let's get this money. So then a year later, Nas quit his record deal or left Columbia Records and signed with Def Jam, which Jay-Z was heading up. So that's that. And I guess they're cool now. But I feel like that's... A little bit, the raft beef, but like it was never like showing up with guns and shooting at each other. I think it was like, like Dallas says in the episode, it was mostly about like publicity and it sells records to have like this kind of fighting going on. So another case that I feel like this episode could be based on is Kim Kardashian's Paris robbery, because in the episode, when Snake hears the news, he goes, shows over family emergency. This is basically identical to what happened to Kanye when he found out that his then wife, Kim Kardashian, had been robbed in Paris. He was performing in New York City at the Meadows Music and Arts Festival, and someone came up to him and told and he goes, I'm sorry, there's a family emergency. I have to stop the show. So it's pretty much ripped right from that and um, I feel like we all heard about this, but I'll just recap it because there was some facts I found out about this crime that I did not know about. In October of 2016, Kim Kardashian West at the time was staying at an apartment inside a luxury private mansion called the Hotel de Portale, de Portal I think where she was in Paris for fashion week and um a group of five men was wearing ski masks and police uniforms got into the mansion threatened the concierge person with a weapon handcuffed him forced him upstairs to the private apartment that he had to open for them and then two of the men went into Kim's room and put a gun to her head. Um, And she talks about it later that she wasn't wearing anything underneath her robe. And she was like, okay, this is the moment that I get sexually assaulted. Like, I have to just like prepare myself. This is going to happen. And um, she pleaded for her life. She was pleading to the concierge because she didn't know... Like, she didn't speak French. And she was like, tell them I have a family. Tell them I have a husband, like, like pleading for her life with them. They threatened her with a gun. They tied her up. They forced her into a bathtub with tape over her mouth and then tape over her eyes. And the last thing she saw before they put tape over her eyes was them holding up her jewelry box. And at the time, she did have two children, but they were in New York City at the time. So her sister, Courtney, had been staying with her in the same suite, but was out with friends. And Kim later was saying, I was so worried that Courtney was going to come in and find me dead and be traumatized for life. So like that's the stuff that was going through her mind when this was all happening. Um, But the men did not sexually assault her or like kill her or, you know, actually beat her up in any way really other than like forcibly tying her and putting her in the bathtub. They took two cell phones and $10 million worth of jewelry, including her $4 million Lorraine Schwartz engagement ring. What I didn't find out until doing this research is that... All the men who did this were in their 60s and 70s. They were called the grandpa gangsters by some of people on social media.
1: So it's but kind this, of- But um, is in line with most robbery movies. It's always these old guys, they're getting out of jail and they want one last cash grab. Like every yeah. robbery movie, even the robbery SVU episodes are old men. Yeah, it's like Ocean's 11, but like yes. they're older. <laughs> like um, Robert but- De Niro was in one of these, I think, with yeah. Ed Warren. Like, they're he, grandpa gangsters are doing the bit because you need a lot of skills. Yes. But, you know, I am sure you're going to talk about this, but so many people thought this was fake because it's Kim Kardashian and their show, everything's produced. And I know one of those suspicions was like, where was her personal security? Like, yeah, I think that was like one thing where it's like, don't you have security with you? Where were they? But maybe they were out with Courtney, but I don't know. Do you, you yeah, I don't know. Honestly, none
0: of that, none of that, none of the stuff I read. And I did read like eight articles about this that are all in my sources. Like, there's really nothing about her personal security. It seems an assistant was there. I'll get to that, but. So basically, five years later in 2021, 12 men were indicted and were to be tried for robbery with a weapon committed in an organized gang, kidnapping, enforceable confinement, or criminal association. One of the guys, so now one of the guys, this guy who's 67 years old, his name is Eunice Abbas, was one of the 12 men. He spent 22 months in prison in France for this crime. And then he was given an early release. And he gave a full interview to Vice News, which is on YouTube with a content warning, by the way. And it's all about robbing influencers, this this Vice uh, piece. And Abbas said he'd seen Kim Kardashian throw a diamond into her pool on her reality show and was like, oh, this woman doesn't care about money. So like we're just going to rob her. And when they asked him if he felt guilty about his crime, he goes, he said it in French, but this is the translation. Since she was throwing money away, I was there to collect it and that was that. Guilty? No, I don't care. And he said it a bunch of times. He goes, I don't care. Like, And he also told them- Why would and-
1: you release this person after
0: 22 months? I don't know. And because the reason they found him is because he left DNA at the scene- when he has subdued the concierge and he's a criminal in the system. So they found his ass quick as hell. And he even said that. He goes, oh yeah, I left my DNA. They found me really quick because I'm a criminal. So they let him out after 22 months. He's like fully going to do something like this again. He's
1: not, sorry, why would you? But, you know, we just covered the fucking, that monster. They, might, they have a more lenient system than we do over here. Jeez. Yeah. They asked him
0: like too, like, don't you think she was traumatized? And he goes, oh yeah, sure. Of course. Of course you'd be traumatized. Of course. Like, it, but he had no feeling about it, like no guilt at all. And um, at least he's self aware. I
1: don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, we also like found him. out that Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I'm assist- an A. Boss
1: fan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Eunice Abbas for president. Lisa loves him. We also found out that Kim Kardashian's assistant made the mistake of calling 911, which in France doesn't do anything. That is not the emergency number in France. So French police weren't notified immediately, and that's left the gang more time to escape. So they did get away, but then of course they were all like, they were all tracked down. Another guy whose name was Almar Ait. Kadash, a 60-year-old veteran robber, also implicated in the heist, said that they got most of their information from social media, which is, I think, where the tie-in of this episode, where they're like, oh, Twitter, finding the code, and all that stuff. And he said, quote, this is probably translated also, quote, it says, the jewels were shown on the internet, and she said she didn't wear fakes. The time she would arrive in France, you just had to look at the internet and you knew everything, absolutely everything. And that was in a police report obtained by Le Monde, which is a um, French newspaper. So, So, So allegedly, it was Kim's Snapchat is where they got all this information. And this vice reporter pointed out and goes, if a nearly 70-year-old man can figure out how to target one of the world's most famous people using Snapchat, she goes, I don't think any of us have any hope. So, uh, but they inspired criminals all over the world. This Kim Kardashian attack was kind of like one of the first major influencer robberies. And... It inspired all these criminals all over the world to target wealthy influencers
1: by using their social media to like gather clues. So Kim Kardashian- I'm not giving it to these guys. This is the bling ring. We learned this in the bling ring. Well, the bling ring is a
0: little bit different because those people became friends with them. Didn't they get like invited to their parties and shit? And that's when they would case the area? No, you got to watch the three-part doc. Oh, okay. I thought that they were like young kids that kind of would hang out at the parties and then steal shit or like then break into their houses when
1: they knew they were on vacation. No, that's the thing. It was breaking in when the people were gone. But it is less yeah. like using your social media to know your full schedules and yeah. know when to rob your ass. Yeah.
0: So bling ring, but maybe these guys brought it more
1: to the international because... Kim Kardashian was just, was and is so huge. This is just coming back to me. When this case broke, I remember hanging out with someone that was like, yeah, they're so new money. Real rich people don't wear their real diamonds. Yeah. Like, I guess old money, they all have fakes that they wear. Well... Kim
0: learned her lesson. Apparently, okay, after okay, this yeah. happened, she went into hiding for three months and then
1: reemerged and immediately went to Ellen, as you do after a trauma. And she told the talk show did, host, did, "Did Ellen play a little trick on her? Make her think <laughs> she's about to get kidnapped on on the stage?" <laughs> Yeah, like, did she come out dancing to a Kanye song? Like, hey, babe. (laughs) Straddling her little coffee table. It is fucked. I am bad. I'm, like, one of the bad people in the episode diss where I'm, like, because of Kim's status, I'm, like, more detached from her. Or, like, where I'm, like, eh, whatever. I'm I'm team a boss. Like, it is fucked. (laughs) Like, she is a person. Yeah, she is a person. Yeah. And...
0: You know, she did go on David Letterman and have this like heart-to-heart with him where she is very upset. Like when people talk about this being staged, again, it's like when people talk about... The scandal of all stuff being staged, these people are not good enough actors. There is absolutely no way Kim Kardashian is a good enough actor to cry the way she cries in these interviews, talking about this experience, if it was fake. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't give that to her. She has one line in Paw Patrol movie, and she, it's not good. So I can't imagine that she's good at this. So she said to Ellen, quote, I know this sounds crazy but I know that was meant to happen to me. I am such a different person. She says, I just don't care about that stuff anymore. I don't care to show off the way that I used to. Like, she was very obsessed, she said, with being in the mix, like showing everything she was doing. And now she's like, during the Keeping Up With The Kardashians reunion in 2021, she said, Quote, no expensive items ever come to my home. I have it all taken from security before I even enter my home. I can't sleep if I have jewelry in my safe or money or anything at my house. I just don't live my life like that, she says. And she says, as far as jewelry, if I'm wearing something, it's borrowed, it's fake. So this really changed. And and apparently she doesn't post in real time anymore. Like she'll save, she'll take photos and then save them and post after she's left a location. She has really like... Some of the articles I was reading was like, yeah, you can notice after that she goes to the Met Ball in like a really scaled down dress like the like the year or two after that happened. Well, before Marilyn, like in the just the direct aftermath of this happening, like they said she went really like much more simple with her fashion and stuff. And I think was trying to like live more simplistically for a Kardashian or whatever. But that's um, that's the story on that. I just like, I think I knew most of that, but I just didn't know that it was like this gang of oldies, and I didn't know that most of them have like been tried and gone to jail and are out already. Like crazy. Yeah. I wonder if the guys got out early because of COVID or something. They got rid of, like, kind of more nonviolent crimes or something like that. People that were in jail this to was like violent. right. But they didn't. It was emotionally violent for her, for sure. So that's that
1: on that. But no, it's kind of like the story we talked about with the engagement kidnapping, where it's like, no, I think tying someone up and holding them hostage is physical. For sure. For sure. Yes, absolutely. Violent. But, like, I'm glad they didn't
0: pistol whip her. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they could have done a ton of damage to her and, like... No, these
1: are classic robbers. They're not interested in that. Yeah. They don't (laughs) Yeah, they're not taking the time to, like, yeah, inflict... I'm shocked there's no movie made yet about it. But, because I don't believe Dorit in her robbery. And Andy Cohen was like, Dorit is not a good actress. Yes. This is this happened and he's like appalled people think it's fake but I think um, Teddy's husband being in charge of their insurance security yeah just there's like a lot of things that don't make and then this is a fucked up theory about Dorit but that her husband did it without telling her and he knew what was gonna happen that's beyond fucked up it is but they're all scam artists I mean look, like what? that's what's crazy like Scandaval is so shocking to us and the lies and the deceit and all of that but they're all fucking criminals from yeah. coast to coast of the, of the housewives. They it's the are age, criminals. It is the age of the scammer.
0: It is the age of the of the criminal, truly.
1: I just wouldn't put it past them. I guess that's my point. I wouldn't put it past these people. I don't have any good I thought it was intentions ache. or any I thought, good thoughts on these people.
0: I thought Dorit's thing was fake. I really did. Because I was like, why'd they leave your cell phone? Like, I don't really, there was a few things where I was like, this doesn't make sense to me, but. You know, I agree with Andy. She can't be that good.
1: Um, no, I but remember we, being appalled by people who were not sympathetic to Kim at the time. I remember people being like, what the fuck is wrong with you?
0: I like, could that's, I mean, it's just like when someone reaches such a level of fame, I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is like a movie. How is that possible? But you're right. Like, where was her personal security? It sounds like an assistant was nearby that called 911 by accident. And like, they but- There wasn't, like, a guy right outside her room all night. Like, I don't get that. So, especially if, like, a concierge has the key. It's, like, anyway, we do have a fantastic guest. So, don't go anywhere. Okay, guys. Our guest today is not only an actor, but also a former Beverly Hills High School student body president. You'll know her from her work on past shows such as The Carmichael Show and Happy Together. You can also see her in The Amazing Spider-Man and 22 Jump Street. She's currently a lead in the star's comedy Run the World, but you know her today as the glamorous pop star Dallas Monroe. Guys, enjoy our convo with the very talented Amber Stevens West. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. This is amazing. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, I first like I know your work from like Carmichael Show and like all these comedies that you've been in. Like we have a friend that wrote on the current show that you're on, so like we are fans. Aww. And um, but this feels like such a different kind of thing for you from what I've seen you do. I'm sure you've done drama or whatever, but this felt like a departure. So how did this come to you? They just like threw you an SVU or were you like to your a- agents? I'd love to be on an SVU. Like what? How did no, I just, it all go down? I got
2: lucky. I got a phone call and they <laughs> said, Hey, they've got this part and they thought of you for it. Are you interested? And uh, I said, yeah. I mean, it was very simple. It was very cool. I read it obviously and like double checked that it was something mm-hmm. that seemed fun for me. But basically, the role was like, you're a big pop star, and then you're injured. So I was like, I'm done. That sounds cool. <laughs> and then we like made a music video. <laughs> well,
1: it's yeah. a wild SVU start, if I've ever seen one, because I, it's scary, dramatic, very realistic. Oh, no, what's going to happen? And then... A real kooky turn for SU. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. How did you feel being so glamorous with the with the guns? I guess.
2: Oh God, it was funny. It was funny to rehearse yeah. all of it. Was funny to dance on top of a car in those heels. Was funny to <laughs> dance with, while holding guns and like make it look sexy with a wig yeah. that went down to my waist. It was fun. It was a good time. It was a. I didn't realize, you know, I don't know what they're doing and they're with behind the directors have in mind how they're going to shoot one into the other. But yeah, that false start is, is a, quite a surprise, I think, for the audience.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because I have the same feeling like I have in with your, uh, like with Lil Relling Get Out, where the, you know, the cop shows up and right away, like, or the TSH, but the like pit in your stomach where you're like, oh no, what's about to happen? What horrible start of this SVU. And then Glitter. And, yeah. <laughs> very in, and then like a very fun and video. then fireworks and, then your, and your, yeah. your Beyonce. Yeah. yeah. Was there a wind machine?
2: Um, no, there was no wind machine, but those were live actual like fire, whatever you call those fireworks things. Yeah. Pyrotechnics. That was real. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to learn choreo? I did. I had to learn choreo. They didn't show a lot of it. I'm not a great dancer. They didn't know that when they hired me. <laughs> um, so it was more just a lot of like body rolling with guns yeah, <laughs> uh, and rolling around on the hood of a car. But there was a choreographer. She was very cool and nice and, you know, helped me try to learn how to dance in heels on top of a slanted roof of a car.
0: Like, truly not, I think, what any actor thinks they're going to be doing when they agree to an SVU. Not that at they're all. They're going to be, like, in a sparkly <laughs> mini dress just getting down. Not at all. Um, were you channeling your inner Beyonce? I mean, it feels very Beyonce. The
1: Obviously. Whole... Of yeah. course I was. Of course. <laughs> but then quickly, you're in a pool of blood,
2: which is very... You SVU. know, typical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what, we, yeah, that's yeah. what we come for. We don't come for the Beyonce dance, <laughs> you know? It's a little fun uh, thing to put in there, but...
1: Yeah. Well, outside of laying in the blood, you also joined a very select few um, esteemed actors of SVU where you had a full around the head bandage. Um, yes, that's I did. a cool thing, too.
2: <laughs> yes, a full clocked. around the head bandage. Um, that whole scene of me laying in a bed, they're like, you have a head injury, so you can't really like move your body. And so they shot it. I look freaking crazy in that whole shot. <laughs> it's just like a whole double chin shot really close to my head because I couldn't move my head. Um, that was a, that was a challenge actually. And then Mariska is just sitting at the foot of the bed and they're like, and cried. I'm like, no pressure. Don't move your body or do anything and have like, you know, the the leads of the show staring at you waiting for you to kill it
0: you did kill it though I mean like you had me feeling bad for the celebs that we
1: harass all the time oh good good I'm glad (laughs) I was like they are just people she's right Um, (laughs) but we always um we do like to ask how long were you in the blood um was that a long laying in the blood scene or no
2: it was quick I was, right. It was quick. So this, when did we shoot this? Like four years ago, right? Yeah. I'm trying to like remember. That, it was
0: four seasons ago. So that yeah. makes sense with COVID, give or take. I think it was like 2019 probably.
2: That sounds right. Because yeah. I had, my boobs look especially lovely in that opening scene because I, I was still breastfeeding. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a new baby at the time. And my mom came to New York with me with the baby. It was the first time we'd ever traveled with her. Um, So that sounds about right. Four years ago. So I'm trying to remember all this stuff. I'm saying all this to say that it's been a while (laughs) since uh, this experience. But from what I remember, I was not in the head bandage blood for very long. I did have to have that breathing machine thing in my mouth for a little while, though, in the background of a scene. (laughs) Was that annoying? Hard? Yeah, it actually was kind of
0: uncomfortable in my mouth. Wait, you mean when you're lying like face down with the head injury, they have you on like a breathing machine
2: or? Wait, I don't know. No, I'm, no, I'm no. Confused. In the hospital. In the oh, hospital. Oh, yes. Then when you're in the coma. I have, yes, when I'm yes, in the coma, sorry. they have me with the machine on my face laying yes. there. And I'm inventing uh, a machine that you
0: breathe into so that it yeah. doesn't look like you're breathing. I'm sorry. My bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> until I invent it. Yes, um, until you invent it. Shark <laughs> Tank.
0: Did you? And Snoop ever cross paths?
2: We didn't, but my mom, who was in the dressing room the whole time, was right next to him in his dressing room the whole time, smelling all kind of getting a smells, contact high, <laughs> getting a contact high, enjoying enjoying her afternoon with the baby. <laughs> but no, I never got to meet him because we we never worked on this um, yeah scenes I, I together was or anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you know that it was, I mean, it is kind of obvious, but did you know it was based a little bit on the Kim Kardashian, Kanye kind of beginning? No,
2: wait, what? It is? Well, well
1: just the whisper and Orlando like leaving his concert. It was like Kanye being like family, like leaving the show. Oh, is and
2: that like that happened the- when she was in Paris? Mm. Yes. And, like, the concept
0: of, like, the concept of, like, the, of celebrities, like, giving away too much information on social media and then getting, like, you know, attacked or whatever. Oh, yeah, Um, totally.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah, So that's, like,
0: the, the characters are clearly based on Jay-Z and Beyonce as well. Like, there's multiple, multiple cases here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I do remember being very impressed. I don't, if you watch the episode closely, when they go into our house, the set design, they had the art department make these eight foot tall portraits of Orlando and I wow. that are so beautiful. So I would pause and watch the episode again and look in the background. They're like Ooh. these old 1800s looking <laughs> uh, portraits of the two of us. Um, and I just wish I could have taken one home. I thought that was really cool that they spent the attention to detail and the set design of our house. They should have let that. You
0: take one home. Yeah. That and been also fun. we did a photo
2: shoot so they could have pictures in the house of us, so there's a picture above our bed of him behind me holding our pregnant, my pregnant belly. So I, <laughs> we did a photo shoot where I put a belly on. What wow, we do. So there's like fun little things like that. If you just look around in the house,
0: oh, I love yeah, that. I love it because that's definitely part of pop stardom. Is you got shrines to yourself all over the house. I feel like.
2: Yep. Yep. They <laughs> pay attention to every detail. Yeah. Well, with our
1: little online research, you went to Beverly Hills High School. I did. Yes, I was the president,
2: student body president of Beverly Hills High School. Excuse <laughs> me, political royalty. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for the acknowledgement. <laughs> what was that
1: like? Did you have outside lockers? Were your lockers outside, like on TV?
2: No, they were inside. A lot of the campus gives you space to walk outside. So lunchtime, everyone sits out on this like a big grassy lawn, kind of like in clueless. I don't know if you remember them walking around oh, outside. Yes. Our high school was kind of like that. Certainly, kids had a lot of fancy, nice cars. You know, like for their 16th birthday, they were getting BMWs. I did not have a car. My parents did not buy me a car. <laughs> but the, that was happening. But it was a pretty multicultural school, and I really liked it because it was a public school, whereas, you know, a lot of the really, really rich kids and famous kids, they all their parents all put them in private schools. So I still had like a... It still is a kind of... I don't know. It's hard to say normal, but like as normal as you could be.
0: Yeah. We're like, are a lot of kids in the business, like doing acting at
2: the school? Like they let you out to go do? No, not a lot. No, it certainly is not uncommon. I mean, it happens. There was no, um, you know, issues. I was in, when I was in high school, I was doing modeling and commercial acting on, just for fun on the side. And I, ne- I didn't miss school very much for it because I could do auditions after school. Um, But if I booked something I'd miss a day or whatever Um, it was never an issue and there were there were some other kids doing that but not a lot and certainly not a lot of kids with parents that were actors because again the those people put their kids in private school but but a lot of people work in the industry a lot of the parents work in the industry in other ways. I mean that's what we do here in Los Angeles. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and not to, you've mentioned your parents. And one of my favorite parts of this podcast is when I'm just researching people and I have this like, oh my God moment. I cannot believe your dad is Shadow Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> I like have been watching you on stuff forever and like never put it together. I I mean, if people don't know, like legendary DJ, host of American Top 40, definitely listened to him when I was a kid. Like he is, to me, when you're like, thinking of a, like a, hey, this is the DJ guy. Like, that's your dad. <laughs> like, he's just like- That's amazing. Classic DJ guy. Like, that's so nuts. Like, and then your mom was a model. <laughs> so it feels like yeah. you kind of were like a little bit biz adjacent, but it sounds like you they kind of wanted to keep you- not humble, but like they wanted to keep you normal. The
2: public school is a great school. I mean, we lived yeah. in Beverly Hills. It was not like, right. a, you know, <laughs> we weren't slumming it or anything. No,
0: exactly. But, you're, you know, you're not like going to, you know, you're not going to private. You're not
2: getting a car, you know? I did private school for through sixth grade. And then my parents were like, you're going to public school. But uh, yeah, they were, they certainly were not handing me anything. I, there was no like nepotism pulling of cards to get me anywhere in my career whatsoever. Um, the very practical people were you know, you know how the business works. You're on top one day and then you're waiting for someone to call you for two years. Mm-hmm. So my parents were like, if you wanna do this, like save your money and they would teach me like how to stay grounded and all of it because it's a very volatile industry. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, grounded is the word I was looking for before when I said well, humble. I meant grounded. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah a little grounded yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah. so you have done like when you look at your imdb it's like comedies all over the place and then now you're on this show called run the world on stars and correct me if i'm wrong the internet says season two is coming out may 26th so like very soon yeah my son's birthday by the way we'll be oh, having, a, we'll be having a, a run the world themed two-year-old birthday party for um, the premiere um Great. <laughs> but do you shoot that in new york Yeah. What's the story with that? Is that comedy? Is that like more dramedy? Like what's the... Uh,
2: It's a half hour show, but I guess it could lean into dramedy a little bit. Um, It shoots in New York. It takes place in Harlem. The new season is kind of just picking up where we left off with the first season where it's about about the friendship of these women and um, the support that they have for one another. and, And they have a healthy relationship with their black women who are thriving essentially, and support being supportive, good girlfriends to each other. Because we do need a little bit more of like watching Black people being vulnerable and also um, killing it in their careers and in their relationships, just showing the other sides of being a, a Black woman. So yeah, the new season's a lot of fun. I just watched the first two episodes last week and I'm really, really excited for people to see it.
1: Yes. Amazing. Yeah. And I would love to talk... We always like to ask couples that are both actors. Uh Do you and your husband do audition tapes together? Are you reading lines together? And are you fighting as you do it?
2: (laughs) That is a very good question. So, yes, we do make self-tapes together. um, Here in the room that I'm standing in, actually. This is our (laughs) guest room. Um, And we... Are really good partners with it, actually. Um, we don't give each other too many notes. I think he knows better than to give me notes, unless I ask. I give unsolicited notes, <laughs> probably. Um, I try to preface it with, would you like an, uh, an idea I have? <laughs> um, and he'll be like, yeah, sure. And then he'll probably argue with me why it's a stupid idea. But um, but we do do it together, and we've got a little system going, and it, and it works well for us, thank God, because I don't know what we would do otherwise. Every once in a while, he'll go to a, a service and have these guys help yeah. him do it if we just can't get the kids out of the house or whatever, um, uh, or we can't schedule it otherwise. But we, we do a, a good job together. That's good to hear. That's yeah. great. I'm over it though, and I'd really like to just go back in rooms and audition in front of humans. That's what we keep
1: hearing. Yeah, Yeah. That's why I moved to I moved to LA December 2019, and I was like, I want to audition for the people, meet the people, and then, (laughs) and then, (laughs)
2: universe said, no, no,
1: no. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) But it happens. Um, And then, did you guys you met on set of Greek, and then did you wait, or was it like, did you keep it secret? Was it,
2: did everyone know? <laughs> um, so the show was a little bit of life imitating art because our characters on the show were secretly seeing each other. So I, the, the show, for people who don't know what it is, we were, it was a sorority show. And um, I was, I think the president of the sorority at the time in the show. And Well, you have we, experience with that. I do have experience. So, they, you know, <laughs> they obviously thought of me for this part. So we get a guy to help clean the house or something. He's like the I can't remember what they there's a term for it. But he came in to work in the house and then he and I have a fling with each other, but it's secret because I'm like sleeping with the help. Um Ooh, so upstairs, uh, downstairs. Yeah, a little up a little downtown Abbey. Um <laughs> so he uh and I were like secretly seeing each other in the show and literally at the same time we're kind of starting to do that in real life. So we met on the show and within two weeks we were seeing each other. I mean, it was really quick. So wow. we kind of kept it on the DL. Like I, we were all really close friends on that show. Cause we were all in our early twenties and it was like the first big thing we'd done together. So it was a super close knit group of people. So it was hard to keep a secret, but we kind of, Didn't really talk about it because we didn't want anyone to be like, oh, it's a showmance and like blow it up into something that's going to be ridiculous and everyone's talking about it. So we waited to make sure that we really were actually like seriously dating, which also took like two weeks. It was very quick. Um, And we went to our makeup artists on the show's birthday party together. And that's how we like. Oh, that was the show that kind of our coming out like, okay, everyone, you probably already know, but like we're dating.
0: (laughs) love yeah. that and now you guys are basically Dallas and Snake right like in real yeah. life that's very you're a very similar dynamic very
2: similar you know <laughs> <laughs> huge mega stars no we um it, it's nice to, that we're both in the business though because we kind of understand what each other's jobs are and there's no like jealousy when someone's gone for a while or working with someone who's like super sexy or whatever you know we understand what it what it takes to do this Gotcha.
1: Who's been the sexiest co-star?
2: <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Let me think about that. I mean, I didn't work opposite him, but like Channing's pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, he was fun to work with. <laughs> but you know, that was, we didn't like work together or anything like that. My husband did an independent movie once with this really beautiful actress and they had to have a sex scene. And I just chose to not think about it too much. <laughs> did I, you watch it? Did and you watch I don't the movie? think I, I don't think I ever watched the movie. <laughs> 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 I don't, I'm not like too jealous, but like I don't need to see that. Right. I did make a huge mistake once. I did, I, I did this little movie, um, and I was working with oh my god, his name just went out of my brain, Brian Greenberg. Oh Do you yeah. who that
1: is yo, he's uh, he's a crush of mine. He's in the movie Prime.
2: Yes, exactly. So he's very very cute. And my character like hooks up with him. But I, I invited my husband to set one day and I was like, come and hang out because we were filming in Glendale, like down the street. And I get, and he gets there finally during the day and we're about to start shooting the scene where I start to hook up with him and he's got his hand on my pants and stuff. And Andy's like, why did you invite me? Why, why am I here right now? I was like, I am so sorry. I did not know we were about to shoot this when you got here. But my husband's not in, he's not like, He's not mad, but he made Brian so uncomfortable because Brian Brian kept going up to my husband and being like, "I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. Like, I, you know, this is like just part. They're just this is in the script. I'm so sorry." And Andy's like, "I, I'm not mad at you. You're doing your. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna leave yeah. so that you don't feel weird, and I don't need to watch this. And this is weird for everybody." So he didn't stay around for long. There's an intimacy coordinator standing with a clipboard 2 feet away. How sexy can it really get, right? <laughs> wait, like I want exactly. to I want to
1: watch this now. <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, the movie's called The Kitchen. Okay. Oh, wait. Uh, you should look it up. Okay, The Kitchen. The Kitchen where it, the whole movie basically takes place in the kitchen at a party, at a house party. Wow, okay. Ooh, oh, that's um, that's really a great idea. Yeah. So just following all the different people coming out in and out of the party and the relationships they have with each other. It's, it's quite funny. Love it.
1: I love that because that's where everyone hangs out at a party. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also really wanted to ask you what it was like to be an American Girl doll.
2: Oh, my God. That was so funny <laughs> that they asked me to do that. I was like, hell yeah, I have them. I gave them to my daughters. I still have them. And I had Addie. But to be Addy was epic. Yeah. That was a really fun day. That was a really funny, funny sketch.
1: I just went to the store for the first time with my friend's daughter. It was really cool in there. Wait, where is it? It's New in York. New
2: York. I was just in New York,
1: but oh. there, there's like 90s dolls now. And so oh, wow. there's blow up furniture and Pizza Hut and, like, Stop. 90s stuff. So it's wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's hilarious. Like, yeah. I saw that. I go, I thought they were
2: colonial. And she's like, we're old. They're different now. <laughs> <laughs> They're different now. I know the coolest one when we were kids was Molly. <laughs> she was, yeah. like, the most current. And she was still, like, 1950s or something. <laughs> yeah. Ew.
1: So I'm glad you liked that.
2: I think yeah. I can't wait to get into Run the World. I'm gonna
1: catch up before the second please, season. I have so to. It's so fun. It's so I gotta, fun. I've, I wanna. I'm gonna catch up before the second season. I wanna watch. Oh
2: please. It's it's a good time. It's a good watch. It's, it's I love a,
1: friendship.
2: It's all about friendship. Honestly, yeah, it that's it feels my like, favorite like it's theme. like a Sex
0: in the City like like living single kind of like fun modern.
2: That's exactly what it is. And is the is it fashion forward? Very, very fair. It's Ooh. the same uh, costume designer as Sex and the City. Really, Pat Fields? Yeah. Oh Pat wow. Fields. Oh my god. So, yeah. So you come for the fashion too? Lisa
0: Wait, what was it like is to a work major Sex
2: and the City yeah, fan. So this is like. <laughs> oh. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Then you need to watch. This show is for you. Wait. What um, was it like? It's to amazing. Work with her? She's incredible. She's um, eighty years old and has the stamina of someone who's in her thirties. And has so much creativity still. And then Tracy Elcox was working with her. And he's also a brilliant. Um, yeah, he like has brilliant taste. And they're just so creative. There's always like too many accessories. And then we have to pare it down. Because that <laughs> was like a glove and a hat. And, uh, you know, all of the <laughs> moments. But she did a great job of really creating each character, just like Sex and the City. You can identify almost by their clothes without looking at their heads. Like you know who's wearing what, and sure. that our characters are like that too. We've got our own identities, and you can really see that in our in our uh, costumes. It's cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, fun. Amber. This yeah. was awesome. I'm so glad to talk to you guys. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
0: What a little angel. She was so great. Her dad being Shadow Stevens is like so wild to me. I feel like she was downplaying it, but he was like a big deal. He was a Hollywood
1: square. Listen, she's beautiful. She's talented and she's kind. And She was a great great. pick.
0: She was a great pick for that role. I'm like, you know, like just the beautiful hair, the the beautiful face, the beauty.
1: Um, Well, and it's like the best start of an episode of all time, I would say. There's never been such a fake out with SVU as this. yeah, And I really appreciated yeah. um, the trickery of it all and the choreo and the like gun dances. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's great. <laughs> and
1: it is Snoop, great. I mean, overall, great episode. I was like,
0: when I was looking up some of the Reddits about this episode, trying Ooh. to see what people were saying about it, because I was really trying to like dig deep into like what it was based on. Like because some people were like, oh, it's just Jay-Z and Beyonce. And then some people brought up the Kardashian thing. So I was really trying to see if there was anything else. Like, if there had ever been maybe two rappers where one of them had attacked another one's girlfriend as a revenge thing. Like I was just looking into it and people were pissed that Snoop didn't get enough screen time. They were like, this was billed as a Snoop Dogg episode. Cause they were obviously playing it up on the commercials in real time. And he was not in it for very long, but he did great.
1: Wait, I just watched something funny. with. I mean, when is Snoop not creating funny things for us to watch. But I swear I just watched something viral that was making me laugh. But uh, is my memory that bad? What's happened to me? I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe it
0: was just like an Instagram video that you, that you popped on.
1: It was. I got to get off the internet. I have to get off the internet. I worked my on a brain sketch back. for
0: Snoop. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I worked for when they did this... They did, Netflix has this thing called laugh It's like the uh, like a anniversary of the laugh the show that like made Bit- Goldie Hawn a success and stuff. It had Lisa and Walter. It had all these people in it. Um, And I, I'm in it nine months pregnant with Rosie, but I also wrote on it for a day or two and I got to write this sketch with Michael Rappaport and Snoop. And it was like the high news. It was like them doing like a little weekend update basically, but like all about weed stuff. And Snoop was smoking weed the whole time. It was crazy.
1: I mean, he's an icon. He's an idol. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say. Are you a Rapaport guy? Are you a rap?
0: Do you like him because he likes the Housewives? But sometimes, I think he turns people off.
1: He does. I. I. Um. I'm. I'm into it. I worked on with him. I was on Lights Out with him, and. My thing is, I love everyone that loves the Housewives. I love how passionate he is and his opinions. I just don't like when... I think Jerry O'Connell does this more. I don't like when men feel like they're so special and cool because they like something that women like. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make you different. It's like, yeah, you like a good thing, but it's this, we're men who love Bravo. And it's like, you're not not cooler. It's like, I don't know why you think you deserve a pat in the back because you like something that women like. And I'm not saying that's what he wants. I don't think... I don't, you know, I don't think, but that's that's my own internal. I know what thing. you're saying,
0: but I do feel like our beloved uh, Christmas party friend Jerry O'Connell, I do think he does that a little bit more than than um, yes. the other guy does. But yeah,
1: anyway, post mortem of this but episode, Rappaport, like him and Sheena text and stuff. Yeah, he was on Watch What Happened. <laughs> he's like into He is texting. He's in it. Also, you know, is it a chip on my shoulder? But like people who just do out of the blue are like, I'm going to do comedy. Yeah. It's like Yeah, it's a little like all right, but people love him whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of people who've turned into stand-up comedy, when I'm in Phoenix doing stand-up this month, Anisha from Family Karma will be opening the shows. Amazing. I I'm wish excited I could hang early. with her.
0: I wish I could come early and see and like no, meet it's Anisha. Late. Oh, it's, oh, you're staying. You're going after us. Yeah. I can't stay because I have these fucking kids I got to look after. Yeah, so I would always... love if you
1: ditched your kids for, um <laughs> for uh, you and Anisha. For, for
0: me and Anisha, yeah. We'll see. Let's see how the week's going. Maybe if I can change my flight, that would be hey, let's fun. Let's be in pool. Let's be in a pool. Yeah, because my flight out of Tempe, you guys, is at like 5 a.m. It's
1: not good. Um, what did I learn this episode? Postmortem, baby. Celebrities are people too. Yes. Like, obviously, they have money and privilege and cool stuff. But at the end of the day, like, we all know as humans, those things don't always equal happiness, you know, or like ease or that things don't affect you or because she's a millionaire being attacked at gunpoint, it it doesn't affect her as much, you know? Right. Like, I think that we're in this, like, age of social
0: media and fame, where people are just like, they they completely forget that these people are people. Like, Kim Kardashian, like, some people say she's, like, responsible for the downfall of the culture. I mean, people dislike her for a lot of different reasons. She did flaunt her wealth a lot at that time. Like, she was, like, i I, I don't know if she's the smartest person on the planet. Whatever. Nothing justifies her feeling like she was going to die and that she was never going to see her kids again. And that she was, her sister was going to find her dead body. I mean, like we shouldn't, I don't think anyone should ever be wishing trauma on people like this. And like, we'll, we'll link to it. But like the interview with the thief, he was just so heartless and was like, oh, I'm sure she's traumatized. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably definitely traumatized. Like he did not really care at all, but probably I guess, cause he knew he wasn't going to physically hurt her. But, but I also think that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Kim Kardashian like saw had perspective on it and was like, I don't do X, Y, Z anymore. I don't flaunt. I don't keep real shit on me. I don't ever post in real time. I kind of, like the fact that she's like, this was supposed to happen to me where she could have just like been on a full victim tour where she is a victim, absolutely. But she could have just milked it and been like, feel bad for me, everybody. I'm a, like, but instead she was like, I, this changed my life. Like this changed how I behave. And like, maybe that's, for the better. I mean, not that it happened, but, like, that something semi-good came out of it. I'm not trying to say it's good that it happened, of course. I'm just saying it's like a silver lining.
1: and multiple things can be true. Like, they could be culture vultures and not pay their employees. Like, they could be, they can do bad things and be doing bad stuff, but I don't know. I have a theory that, like, with celebrities, they're obviously rich and powerful, but they really aren't compared to the people that really run this country and these mega industries and these horrific like owners of companies. But the celebs, it's easy to go, ugh, the Hollywood elite. And they're kind of a shield for the true rich horror shows that exist. And I think it's like on purpose. I think Hollywood people are like martyrs and like used as scapegoats for the actual evil people. That's
0: yeah, because what I you can see where a lot of people you can see where Kim Kardashian is spending her money. You can see where like Beyonce is probably spending her money. Like she just actually bought, I think, one of the most expensive houses in California. But you can't see what the like, nobody's really paying attention to what like the Koch brothers
1: are spending their money on, and like they're more evil, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the best that's that is true, and it's like these people are creating entertainment, music, fashion, whatever. Who like, maybe they're void of any good human qualities, but like they are creating something that is for enjoyment and a money, and they're doing a job, and then yeah, you think about these people on Epstein's Island and these governors. Yeah, or like pharmaceutical, the
0: family that just was
1: like living off of people's like addictions to opioids, you know? And they get, no, we never are like talking about the top 500 wealthy business people and the people that are, you know, moving their factories overseas and exploiting labor. And maybe Kardashian businesses are doing that. Like, I don't know where good American jeans are being made, but it's (laughs) like, but it is like, you know, we as a culture are, like, so mad at, like, what uh oh, these rich actors? And it's like, they are pushed into the limelight yeah. so the evils are hidden. So that's, yeah. like, my list. I just believe that when people want to, like, talk they're about- They're just
0: the most front-facing wealthy people. They're not the ones that are the worst, like, for sure.
1: Yeah, they're not lobbying for oil. I mean, these CEOs making $250 million a year, like, I hate them more.
0: yeah. I hope that guy's not posting where he is on Snapchat because I'm gonna find out. No,
1: but I hate that Kim Kardashian fucked with Marilyn Monroe's dress. Like I will I never get over that. I think that's ludicrous. I, 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 it's like it's museum. What are we doing here? I can't believe it was allowed. I really can't believe it was allowed. Well, because Ripley's owned it. It wasn't like the Smithsonian. It was like Ripley's oh. making a buck. Yes, or Planet Hollywood. It was like someone silly owned it. Well. I can't believe we just went on a whole thing about celebrities are people too. I'm really embarrassed. I really That's what am. we learned, Lisa.
0: That's one lesson we learned. Celebrities are people too. You can't afford like, them to tour. You can't rob them and you can't.
1: I, I hate myself. I really can't believe this just happened on our podcast. We cover such horrific crimes. Well, listen, this was a little bit of
0: a more, this was a little bit of a lighter episode. I mean, it's about a rat beef. It's like no one gets sexually assaulted. Like it's very, a little. it was a little bit of a lighter episode. So I think we can take a minute and say celebrities are people too, if we want.
1: <laughs> I know, I'll, i yeah. Well, I mean, we're not, we're not redoing it. We're not retaking it. This is Wait, what that's you're hearing. The thing. <laughs> that's the
0: thing, guys. Sometimes it's like cut, print, it's done. We can't do anything.
1: Um, but And we'll listen, move on. I do have a name drop. It would be wild if I didn't mention it right here. I like, but I did not meet him. I did not see him, but I did hear that Kanye was at the comedy store and he was watching my set on Saturday night. So- Do with that what you will. But maybe um, I did another plus for the Jewish community for him. Yes. Break him down one Jew at a time.
0: Yes. Yes. I like that. I like that (laughs) idea. That was the
1: funniest. I'm sorry. When I woke up and he was like, honestly, I don't hate Jews anymore because of Jonah Hill and 22 Jump Street. Like I... Wait, that happened? Oh, you didn't? Oh, I can't believe you missed this. That's why I'm like laughing about it. So um, a few months ago, you know, Kanye obviously... did bad things about Jews and like that Nazis are kind of chill, Um, like give Nazis a chance. But then he made a giant post that he loved Jonah Hill so much in this movie that he takes it back. I take it all back.
0: He's like, my bad. I've ruined my, I've lost millions and millions of dollars. (laughs) I've opened season on the Jewish community basically for hate and shit on the internet. But you know what? Jonah's my guy. I take it back.
1: Okay, so Kanye posted and then when this is from TMZ. So March 29th, 2023 is when he posted about it. And I'm sure Jonah Hill was on cloud nine. So Kanye wrote, watching Jonah Hill in 21 Jump Street made me like Jewish people again. No one should take anger against one or two individuals and transform that into hatred towards millions of innocent people. No Christian can be labeled anti semite knowing Jesus is Jewish, is a Jew. Thank you, Jonah Hill. I love you. I can't believe you didn't see
0: this. (laughs) I did not see this. I think by at this point,
1: I had like turned off, turned down the
0: volume on like the full Kanye. But this is like, this is basic reasoning that a 10-year-old would know. Like just because a person with brown hair was mean to you, you can't be mad at all people with brown hair. Like this is like a, like, I don't know. I I do, he has mental illness, so I'm not going to elaborate on this, but.
1: But that was I'm the glad funniest that, thing. Ever. I'm glad Lisa's on the list. It's Jonah Hill, Lisa Traeger. Well, Who we don't know. We the just my friends that work there said that he seemed to enjoy it, but I don't know any more information. But listen, do do I? It's no secret. I love Hollywood. I love show business. (laughs) I was raised on movies, TV, and Us Weekly and Entertainment Tonight. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. It's huge for you. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I hope he calls you and asks you to collab on some weird project for him. Um, Dude, I don't know what I would even say to him. I don't know if I want to meet him, but I just love when I can tell my parents about a celebrity that they would know. They know who Kanye is? My mom does not know who Kanye is. You're right. This is more for the niece and nephews. I gotta, yeah, put, yeah. I gotta put it in the niece and nephew group chat. I think yeah, this yeah. is gonna win me some points.
0: Yeah, <laughs> my mom would be like, "Who, who is that?" Like, I think I've heard of it. Like, she would not know who that is. Really?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, but do that, an
0: my mom is very. I mean, she's shut off. I think from a lot of if it's not like a mystery series on Netflix or Masterpiece or Dairy theater, Girls. Or Dairy Girls. She loves that shit. I love Dairy Girls. Oh, my God. Oh, I forgot I have like five more episodes of that to watch. Okay, let's get to what would Sister Peg do. This is our weekly segment where we direct you guys towards an organization or a blog or an article or something to give you more information about what we covered in today's episode. Um, Obviously, there's no like um, charities for feuding rappers or celebrities that get robbed. So um, I want to point you to a video that I referenced in my research um, that Vice made. RIP Vice, I think they've completely gone under, but they do amazing journalistic work and have for a long time. And they did this, uh, it's like it's like a 20-minute video called Using Snapchat to Rob Influencers. And it's very interesting. In the video, um, Tier Dondi uh, highlights how criminals have sought out robbing influencers based on their social media activity. She interviews victims and the criminals themselves to highlight the motives behind the crimes. And it's just interesting if you liked what we talked about today. So uh, we will put... The link in our show notes, and it will be up on our Instagram the day that this episode comes out in our stories that will be saved forever in WWSPD highlight.
1: Um, and that will be, yeah. And it's also over at Vice if you just want to Google it. But that's that. Thank you so much for that. Um, while you were talking, was I texting in our Scandival group chat? I was. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> well, that Lala clip. Okay. Next week's episode, we're going to be doing Alien. No UFOs though. So you'll see what that means. Season seven, episode 11. Get to it. Oh, 7-11. Amazing. Um, 7-11. We're obsessed with all of you. Go rate, review, subscribe. I don't know. Get, Come get see out of us here. live, guys. Oh, yes. That's
0: <laughs> messeduplive.com, baby. If we're coming to your city.
1: Bye. That's Messed Up is an exactly right production.
0: If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at messeduppod at gmail.com.
1: Follow the podcast on Instagram at that's messed up pod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources
0: and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Cotner,
1: And to Henry Kaperski for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia
0: Hardstar, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun dun, dun, dun! Follow That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.